0: good job if you're still wrapping up and praying that's fine don't cut it short if there's something really on your heart go ahead and just bless it's just something good about giving giving to one another and blessing and loving and i just heard that i was sitting in the chair and i just it was real spontaneous i thought we'll do that thank you father we love you we love you jesus thank you oh.
1: see i like that kind of stuff
0: look at that <laughs> i like that <laughs> I do man. <laughs> I just bumped. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless him, God. Bless him good. Thanks, Father. Thanks, God. Huh? Thank you, Lord. Bless you God. Yeah. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Thanks, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks, God. Praise God. There's a couple of people just wrapping up. Just thanks, guys, for getting involved. Some of you walked in while we were doing that. We are just blessing one another. I just heard... To just have everybody bless one another that was here and speak life over each other. That's a good thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Good deal. I've been doing that to my tomato plants in the morning. I was, I was just telling the one sister, I said, my parents, I put them in so early and it was wet all month of May and they, got, they didn't look quite right. And I thought, whoa. Cause my tomatoes always prosper. I get tomatoes. No, actually, I get two pounders. Yeah, and I get lots of one-pounders are common. And I thought, no, they're not going to die. So I go out every day. I walk by them, and I talk to them, and I speak life over them and bless them. I reach through, and I touch everyone, and I tell them they're the will of God, and they were created to produce fruit. And it's just good. And they are looking good, and I got tomatoes hanging. They're laying all over the place. So it's good. Go to Hebrews 10. You guys ready to roll? You awake? You alive? You better be alive. Jesus is alive and he is Lord. Amen? Amen. I know we were in Romans 6 yesterday, but I went to Hebrews 10 thinking if we do that, maybe we'll make it to Romans 6. It's a joke. Maybe not, huh? Maybe not. Nobody laughed. It wasn't a joke. You believe me. I've scarred you all in many ways. God, you're good, Marcus. Wow, this chapter's going to be good. I got a lot of notes here written in my Bible, a lot of colors. I have one that says in blue, we're free with all kind of exclamation points. That's pretty cool. Amen. We better read this chapter. Wow. Okay little summary from the beginning of school we've been talking about being right with god don't don't feel like we're taking too long on a topic if if you don't understand your right standing if you don't rejoice in the reconciliation remember yesterday rejoicing in the fact that you're reconciled a lot of people don't get as far as staying in a place of rejoicing the reconciled so they never really experience that reconciliation and they feel like they're living far from god but they have a heart for god that's a a shame if he's reconciled us, right? if he's come to live inside of us you don't want to live far from him you want to know that he loves you that he's your father that you have access to him Hebrews 4 says you have a right to approach him there's a boldness to approach his throne and receive mercy and help in time of need why? because you see there's a high priest Jesus the son of God at his right hand and he's mediating on your behalf so you have total access to him the door's open He's not on the phone. You don't have to knock. He's not in a busier meeting or an important, more important meeting than what's on your heart. You have access to God, yeah. right? That's yeah. such a big deal. That means you can live with him, walk with him and approach him all the time. Amen. That guy. I was just thinking there was a bright orange <laughs> flash. There was a bright orange flash. I thought... I didn't know what I was seeing. I thought it was an angel of fire or something. I said, "Oh, oh, it's a man of God! Look at that guy over there. He's so filled with the Spirit. Look at that. Look at his hair. He looks like he came off the mountain, like Moses." Charlton Heston. Gee, he must have been communing with God. That man. Oh, I feel happy. We're gonna have fun this morning. So we're talking about how free we are, how righteous we are. See, if you don't receive that, what's it mean that the goodness of God leads men to change? See, we're afraid to preach this sometime because we think we have to deal with our lives. No, you have to see yourself through God's view. You have to see the higher value of your life than what you were able to live apart from Him. It's what puts integrity in you and desire for God. It's what causes me to love Him because He has so loved me thoroughly. Do you see what I mean? Now, if I fail to receive that love, whatever triggers my heart to just love Him for who He is because I see who He is through Jesus Christ. If not, I'm just mandated to live right and do right and follow God because it's the right thing. That's where a lot of people are, a lot of people just trying to live the Christian life because it's the right thing to do. And yet there's no real revelation of their value or God's love for them or how free they are from the old and the former and, 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 and of sin itself. We're almost afraid to speak that. We think we have to hold up our ability to sin high or something and that's humility. That's not humility. That's deception. I'm not supposed to hold up my ability to sin high. I'm supposed to hold up high His ability to love me and forgive me and through the blood make me clean. That's what I'm holding high. I've been made right through the blood of Jesus Christ. Once for all, he died for me. Do you get it? Come on, I'm reconciled. God sees me blameless, holy, and above reproach. It's that goodness that I have to receive that turns my heart to change. Do you get it? Or I'm going to live from the place of struggle and I'm still going to try to be a better person. I can promise you this. In the 16 years I've been saved, last week, June 9th, we didn't even realize it until we were up here. It was my spiritual birthday last week, June 9th. I'm glad you guys might have did something weird and sang or something. I don't know. But, but, but 16, 16 years ago, on, on June 9th, I, I was born again. And I can honestly tell you this. I don't have one memory, thought, or day, or recollection of trying to live right, not one thought. That's not even in my mind. I'm not trying to live right. <laughs> I'm in fellowship with God. I'm in love. I'm in love, and the manifestation of that relationship causes my life to be a certain way. It's I think a certain way. I act a certain way. I do a certain way. It all comes out. It's all fueled by this. So I'm not waking up trying to be a christian i don't even know what that means that's impersonal trying to be a christian no you're enjoying being a son a daughter you're enjoying being one with him you're enjoying being loved by god in the midst of all your weakness of the past days he has come and given you strength and life and an identity and a purpose come on that's the christian life that's relationship with god we, we are so caught up with trying to do the right thing and live the right way. That just flows out of knowing Him. It's the spontaneous result. Even faith, guys, if you look at the word, faith is the spontaneous result in your life of knowing Him. That's where faith comes from, knowing Him. Wonder if that's why we try so hard to have faith in so many areas because we don't see him and know him in those areas he's he's is he really our father is he really the one that saved us is he really the one that's forgiven us and washed us clean say, well, i don't feel clean brother you are clean through the blood of jesus you ought to rejoice you get what i'm saying Cool, and this thing's going right back, so I'm just summarizing where we've been so far since the beginning of school. And it's amazing how there's so many scriptures bombard me when I get up here to talk on this topic because they're everywhere. It's, it's all about your redemption, your restoration, making you brand new, new creature, new way of thinking, new way of seeing yourself. You see what I mean? That's what the gospel's all about. It's Christ in you. It's looking through Christ. And I'm telling you, you're the steward of your heart. It it is a dime a dozen to get, get distracted, pulled away, identified by a whole bunch of other stuff and feelings and things. Really? Come on. Be real with me. Is that true? I mean, there's just so many details that could just rule your day. Rule your life where you look in the mirror and see something less than what Christ proclaims. You follow me? And I want to grow so much in this gospel that when I look in the mirror, I see exactly what he came for. I know why he died, and I go, yes, you should (laughs) have. See, we feel weird about that, like, who, me? Why would he die for me? What do you mean, why would he die for me? Because I'm a son from the beginning. I was the predestination of God. He knew me when you didn't. What do you mean, why would he die for me? I have so much more to my life than what I knew and what I lived for, and God knows that. So he sent his son to die so I could finally live. What do you mean, why would he die for me? That's a simple answer. We sing songs, I'll never know why, because we're reading ourselves and weighing ourselves based on what we've been apart from him. So we've valued our lives or devalued our lives based on that history. When the truth is in Christ... Are you following me? Yeah. So yes, he should have. <laughs> you oughta, <laughs> Right? Yeah. Because we have life to live. He doesn't want to see life apart from us. Heaven wouldn't be the same without us. God's picture and plan wouldn't be fulfilled without you in it. Yeah. You're the family portrait. Come on.
2: Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! It's,
0: it is, it's, it's not, this thing isn't too good to be true, it, it, it's, it's the truth. Come on, if this wasn't true, why would he have went to the extreme of dying on the cross? Just so you can show up in heaven someday? And and not know him now? And I used to think growing up, why would he do? And one day I'm just going to be in heaven and be forever and ever and ever with this God that I don't even know. And he wants me there and he'd pay that price to get me. What? It used to boggle my mind. I never understood growing up. Heaven was a weird mystery to me. I didn't realize it so heaven could come back into me so that I could start looking through his eyes and understand purpose and truth and realize my destiny, my creative value. I'm not searching anymore to find myself. What is that? How do you come to a conclusion when you're searching to find yourself? What defines you? What people say and don't say, how people do and don't do? Come on, you're at the mercy of life then instead of the mercy of God. Come on, your life's defined through Christ, period. It's a narrow eye. You follow me? I want to talk about this topic this morning, being free, totally free from sin. It freaks people out, but it's all through your word. If we'd read the Bible, we'd see that we're absolutely free from sin. Absolutely free from sin. We think that because we have the ability to commit an act of sin, that that's our identity. Our identity is righteous through Christ. Sometimes we equate our ability to commit sin to who we are. Sinners. That's a lie. It's deception. And if you believe that, you'll continue to walk in the weakness of sin and you'll fight a struggle that's already won and your identity will be encroached on. You won't have a clear healthy view of your life. You'll struggle in an area that grace can carry you through. And I'll make it real clear today. We're going to hit this hard. Because you are free from sin free from sin we read in first john that if you say you have no sin you deceive yourself and make out a liar and we read do you remember we covered it and i said it's one of the most out of text misused misquoted scriptures in the bible we just read that one liner and it's talking about if you say you have no need of the blood if you don't need born again if you have no need of his cross And he says, if you say you have not sinned, well, then you're deceived because every man's sinned and every man's fallen short of the glory of God. But he goes on to say, I write these things to you, little children, so you do not sin. So he's proclaiming the righteous judgment of God, that God is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. That's me. I'm forgiven and cleansed. That's why I'm so bright. I'm serious. When you know you're forgiven and cleansed, it will make you bright. You'll have a reason to smile. It's good tidings, great joy. It's, there's nothing bummer about it. There's nothing mediocre about it. It puts life in your heart. If you can finally just believe that your life is created by God and you're so, your life is so worth living. And all these other things that are trying to define you and distract you are just meaningless in the light of this truth. I mean, just think of the petty things. The petty things. Just think of the petty things that ruled us from day to day. I'm serious. The petty little things. So bored inside that the littlest thing became news. And, and so groping that... We, ah... I remember going to work and and, and people were so aimless and I was one of them before Christ and then after I got saved I was like oh my goodness it made my heart cry because I remember how everything was like a soap opera life was a soap opera and and, and news and headlines and the the last thing the company did it was the talk of the times and the day and, and it ruled everybody and it made people vile and bitter and it was all they talked about it was all they had to live for and he gave them a right to be the way they were and to do the things they did. And it, they were just determined by the waves of life.
2: <gasps>
0: Thank God there's a new and living way. <laughs> wow, you can really be okay. <laughs> Amen. Free from sin. I turned you to Hebrews 10, but I'm going to quote First Peter chapter 2 for you. You can turn your, I know I'm having trouble. It's all right, Brent. You can laugh, buddy. It's just I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I would laugh if I was in your seat. <laughs> I want you to see First Peter chapter two quick. Yeah, God I love you. First Peter 2, and we are going to Hebrews 10. And my aim is to get to even Romans 6. So I don't know how we're going to do it. (laughs) Except for today's Tuesday and tomorrow will be Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Who knows you don't live by the flesh. You live by the Spirit. Who knows that the glory of man is like here and gone. It's, it's, It's zero. The glory of man apart from God. Just whatever man can be. I mean, you build a, some body and a statue and you're praising for athletic ability or intellect or whatever. And, we, and we, we make icons out of these things. But apart from the glory of God, it's like the flower of the grass. If you look, the end of 1 Peter 1 says that all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and its flower fades away. But the word of the Lord endures forever man I want my life to be flowered by the word of God I want to be in that legacy eternal life for his glory for his namesake place I'm not I'm not interested in building a kingdom in my name ministering the kingdom that's already in his is my desire you get it it's a big deal now watch this now this word which by the gospel was preached to you, therefore laying aside all malice and and, and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking. So we lay it aside. You're not in works trying not to be that way. You realize that's not my creative value. It's not even who I'm to be. So I lay it aside. I separate it from my identity through prayer. Father, I thank you you didn't create me to have an angry heart. Father, I thank you, I have no rights to be angry, to judge men, you've never judged me. Who am I to judge another? God, you never came to me and gave me what I deserve. Why would I hearten my heart towards humanity? You died for humanity and you love them. And Father, I yield myself to you and thank you that you are absolutely making your heart my heart and causing me to see your way, because your way is right. And I worship you and I yield you. See, that's your prayer life, that's communion with God. That's how you lay aside all these things. Father, I thank you. I have nothing to gain for my own. I have no reason to lie or be deceitful. I'm not trying to exaggerate and draw attention to myself. I have no need for the attention of men. I have a need to love men because you love men and you've shown me great attention. My life's fulfilled in you and now I can finally be free and love the world. Thank you, Father. That's prayer. You get it? Come on. We ought to think that way rather than just me, myself, and I and all the trouble we have and God, if you don't intervene, I don't know how I'm going to survive and oh my God, help, please God. And we get this, this, this grave view of life and my children and my family and all these things and all of a sudden, you're just all you're aware of is how your ducks aren't in a row and that's your prayer life. Instead of getting formed in Christ so you can see all those things through him first so you can pray from even a pure place <laughs> instead of hurt, despair, frustration, negativity. Are you, am I throwing too much out here am I dropping a bomb or are you guys okay because see if this doesn't get ironed out first you can't even see this stuff clear you're just seeing it like a mere man you're just going oh, oh. you say oh yeah I'm praying all the time no you're <laughs> fretting all the time <laughs> you're freaked out the pray a lot <laughs> you follow me There's a place to speak life. There's a place to be in fellowship with God and you start seeing through God's eyes. And it doesn't mean there's not trouble and things precious. It doesn't mean that there isn't a family member that needs rescued. But there's a different way you see it and you see things for the best and you see the golden situation. You proclaim, you prophesy. You don't fear, fret, and complain in prayer. Father, I thank you there's so much more than they're living they just don't know it but you know it and you'll never lose sight of their value and I thank you your spirit is upon them moving them into truth right now I believe you're working in their heart even convicting them taking every seed that you've sown into them and bringing it to life and fruition and I thank you they will not be destroyed in this place God you're delivering and you're saving and I thank you for ministers and people coming into their life Lord God that can even reveal who you are to them and I thank you their heart is not hard it looks that way but I don't believe it they have ears to hear your voice and I thank you you're working mightily in their life so you pray like that for somebody then all you can do is have faith instead of God it doesn't look good and I'm so afraid of they're oh my God please if you don't do something scared no wonder we have no joy yeah. <laughs> because all we see is the gloom yeah. now look if this wasn't true what I'm praying to you God would be a wreck he would need so much ministry he'd be frazzled he'd be popping pills he'd be out late he'd be on set he'd be doing something if he didn't have this view because he sees everything and he's not depressed and fearful he's the Lord he's the God of all hope he knows what he has said he has spoken man (sighs) man come on if god didn't have a different view he'd be in he'd be in the school (laughs) see if he didn't have a different view he'd need one of these chairs (laughs) isn't that funny it's so funny he has a different view doesn't he when he sees somebody going he's not oh gee ah. He's, oh, his heart's drawling towards where sin abounds, grace abounds more. He has plans and strategies to save, redeem, heal. I look at my own life and just the track of it and the foolishness and the hypocrisy and the willfulness and the deception. And it's amazing how it didn't knock God off the throne. How he came and embraced me and wrapped his arms around me at age 33. Well, I wasn't 23 and I wasn't 28 and I wasn't 30. If you looked real close at those years, you might have been discouraged with me and gave up on me. But isn't it amazing when I was 33, he was right there. (gasps) Isn't it amazing when I said, I'll live for you, he didn't come and say, oh, now you'll live for me. You know, I called you years ago. I've convicted you for about 13 years now, you hardhead. You hurt a lot of people since then, and you caused a lot of hell, and now you want to cry out to me? Well, maybe you've waited too long. I'll get back to you on this. I'll go have a meeting with the Board of Elders the 24 Elders. We'll, We'll talk about you a little bit, and we'll see. We'll deliberate, and we'll see what we come up with. But all of a sudden, you're ready to live for me. It would have been nice, pal, if you'd have done that 12, 15 years ago and wouldn't have hurt everybody. See, that's how we think, and that's exactly how we talk. Isn't it amazing when I said I will live for you? That's what he's been waiting for me to surrender and yield. And as soon as I did that, it means I wasn't that person that you could remember. I've changed. So if I've changed, God knows how to work with change. Not sit there and go, we'll see if you're different. Well, you're going to have to prove yourself around here, pal. You're the new kid on the block, and you should have come here a long time ago. You could have been in a deeper spiritual place than you are right now, that's for sure. You've got a lot of making up to do, but we'll let you in, but you better run well. (laughs) See? That's the way we think. But watch. The beauty of repentance, the gift, the gift, the gift of repentance. When my heart broke and I saw my life for what it was and said, I will live for you, I am no longer from that moment that man that you could remember. Instantly, I'm not that person. As soon as sorrow fills my heart and I wish there was difference and change, who knows that I'm completely powerless to go back and retract my life and change any event. And to even think of doing that is, is called regret. And the Bible says it produces death. Why did I have to do this? Oh my God, why didn't I just come to the Lord then? Why did I wait? Oh, I wouldn't have had to do this. Oh, this wouldn't have happened. And oh, if I'd have just said, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so messed up my life. Isn't that what people do? It's the way that seems right and produces Nothing. It's the way that makes sense to this, because this is actually not in the realm of the wisdom of God a lot. <laughs> this is thinking like it's been trained to think. Woe is me, and dumb me, and bad me, and stupid you. And You follow me? This needs renewed. But as soon as I'm sorrowful, as soon as I say I will live for you, he says, oh, yay and he wipes away and washes away the old, <sighs> breathes his spirit into me, <laughs> and instantly I'm what I never was. <laughs> and I'm brand new. Instantly. In the sight of God, completely changed. Is that cool or what? You ought to start there and be sure you start there and you'll run well. A lot of people don't start there We come for a lot of other reasons. We come because we're afraid. We come so our marriage doesn't break. We come so we don't lose our house. We come because we were just laid off. And there's a lot of other things that stir our heart to come to him, but we have to come to him for him, to become like him, to know him, to give ourselves to him. We don't come to him to help us in life. We come to him to give us life and make us new. That's why we come to him, church. That one's really misunderstood in this country we build big churches and preach all these different motivations to come to him to get people and you don't come to him for any other reason than that you realize you were living your life in your own strength your own will your own wisdom and producing nothing but for yourself and you die to that and live to him that's why you come that's the only reason to get born again you follow me? I understand God mercifully can work with all these other motives, but why would you come with another motive, and why do we preach other motives? When yourself was the biggest problem in the way you look through your own eye at life. Come on, we projected and made things sometimes ten times worse. God's not sitting there a wreck, like we said. So if I can get a renewed mind, I can see situations through truth instead of flesh. Come on, haven't we made mountains out of molehills? Isn't that a phrase we grew up with? And they sure look big, but I don't think God's impressed and intimidated. There's a place to look through Him. Okay, you guys all right? You're really quiet. You guys good? Adam. Adam. Well, yeah, let me see what... Adam's asking some examples of false motives. Uh, the promise of blessings is a simple one. Just God will fix up your life. The old patch kit. God, come, give your heart to Jesus. He'll make your life better. The rose garden promise. The blessings. Uh, promise of prosperity. Finances. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Here's one that's going to sound almost blasphemous when I say it. Just the push to go to heaven and miss hell. Because hell's real. We don't talk about it a lot. I don't personally talk about it a whole lot, but it's a very real place. It's very scriptural and Jesus talked about it. I talk about the goodness of God. It leads men to repentance. But the motive can simply be, pray this prayer and go to heaven and, 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 don't go, and make sure you stay plugged into this church and serve in this ministry. And all of a sudden we're soliciting people to come in and we're, 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 we're cattle ranching them into a belief that if they don't stay connected with us, they're lost. Yes. And it produces a lot of things that aren't good. And, 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 and who knows there's a beauty to the local congregation in the body of Christ who knows that there's a healthy way to gather and be of one and assemble yourselves together but if it starts being wrong motives and now you're just trying to compel people to come and you need to come and if you're not part of a church and, and it's more of a fear driven and, and there's a sense of rightness in what people are saying but it, it shifts and gets very legalistic very law abiding and very compelling and there's no grace and love in any of it and the motive isn't even the love for people people it's just you better straighten up you better do right you follow me you know what I preach I'll preach if you're coming to Jesus man let's deny yourself pick up your cross and follow him let's get water baptized right away and put that old man down and let him die once for all and when you come up out of that water you'll be reborn a new baby fresh in the father's arms and you can go grow up in him and enjoy life and manifest his glory what do you say you ready to sell out and give it all to him That's how I preach the gospel to people when I meet them. I've taken people to hotel swimming pools, hotel bathtubs, room, bathtubs. I left a young teenager come up out of the bathtub in my hotel room and the presence of God was so amazing. I had to leave the room. It was so personal and intimate for that boy in the bathtub. He was ready. I said, well, if you're really ready, then you need this time to get baptized, man. You need to die to yourself and have a contact point of faith that I'm putting my old life down and I explained it. He said, wow, I want to do this. I said, let's go, man. I'll just fill up the tub. Went right in and I dunked him under there. I brought him up and he went, and the presence of Almighty God hovered over the bathtub. And I went, that's your father now. He wants to meet with you. And I just backed out. I just got out of there. I was overwhelmed. Ready to cry now. It was so holy. He was in there for 40 minutes. I don't know what he was doing. but He was in that tub for 40 minutes. He finally got out and dried and came out in the hall. And he looked different. You would have too. <laughs> he just looked different. He looked innocent. He looked wholesome. He looked different. You could, it's like you could see the holy touch of God on his life. <gasps> So I don't do quick prayers, just a prayer to go to heaven, make heaven shun hell. I, I, won't, I don't do that. I, I don't, and I don't preach, hey, you know, come to Jesus and He'll make everything great. He'll make everything right in the sense of righteousness. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of motives out there. I don't want to project any, any, but there are ones that I'm very aware of right there. Uh, one of the biggest traps, I said it last week, we get, we get trapped into building... A kingdom and get bound to the pressures of building a kingdom and the financial burden of building a kingdom instead of ministering a kingdom when I called to build a kingdom it's it's being built by God house upon a stone upon stone I think that's right here actually and we're being built into a spiritual house we're not building this is not the kingdom this is just the blessing of provision and facility you follow me I'm looking at the kingdom This is the kingdom. So we get caught up sometimes in building. Uh, Here's one, and I'm not putting any name to it. I just know it happens. I've, I've even talked to people that said it's the way you need to do it. Build a big facility and accommodate the needs of society, and we believe that's the grace of God. So we have a group, and we stereotype, and we have a group in that church and a support group for every category of life is very unhealthy we call it support groups and we make it sound and psychologically it sounds like it's a great thing but what you're doing is you're stereotyping people and you're making people single moms you're making people uh, over 35 and divorced and and you're making people widows and you're making people whatever no they're in Christ and they're children of God so we have to be very careful. A lot of times that's what society, now we've, we've made that the picture of church, having a big church that can meet all of your needs in the sense of your weaknesses and your needs. So we surround you in a support group of like understanding. So everybody that's in this situation goes and meets together so they identify and relate to that in their life. And they, they say, well, they're cheering each other on. They're, yeah, but that's where they're staying. That's their label. Yeah. You're labeled. But we gravitate to that like bugs to a light because we're needs-driven. It's touchy stuff I'm saying. It could could get a lot of criticism. But you just think about, without judging quick, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. Don't get angry about what I'm saying. And just really listen to the truth of that. You don't need stereotyped. In, I mean, at some point it's not even healthy uh, the way we stereotype the youth and the, and the elderly and, and the young and the teens and the young adults and, and split everybody up. and we you know, God's moving through the hungry. Of course he's doing a revolution through young adults. Thank God for that, but He's moving through the hungry. And honestly, what's available to them is available to you with white hair. It just is. The thing is that a lot of these young people are coming into freshness, free from religion. They're coming into a wave that they haven't been sprinkled with a lot of this other muddy water and some of us have ingrained traditions and things we need to cut loose and let go and realize hasn't produced life and there is a freshness to this gospel. Or we're going to sit back and say, boy, God's really moving with the youth. (laughs) No, God's been waiting to move with you for a long time (laughs) and me (laughs) do you see what I'm saying I have to I have hands I have a couple hands
1: With this how you've introduced the scripture and what's going on in this moment, it's like I just feel this so strong. This is a good place for you to explain how you feel about marrying people cook gut. To me, when we got married, this had to be gone. It was like God so dealt years getting that out of my life, the malice. Oh just, the, yeah. Don't bring that into a marriage. Oh yeah. Why you don't just marry
0: people? Yeah, I don't just I haven't married anybody for years and years. I could ask a lot. I do like the best wedding on the planet. <laughs> And that's what I tell them when I say, sorry, I'm not going to do a wedding. <laughs> Don't I? <laughs> I say, it's a shame, too, because it's an amazing spirit-filled wedding, and Holy Spirit would come. <laughs> he says, oh, thanks, brother. <laughs> One man said, well, I'm just going to pray. Jesus walks in your bedroom and tells you. Maybe that was you, too. He <laughs> said, so go and walk in your bedroom. And, tell you, and it's not that I'm against marriage or people get married. There's time, accountability. It's not a small thing. It's not a starry-eyed, emotional, ooh, baby, I love you. It is a covenant giving yourself to one another. It's not an emotional I need you, I feel for you, you're the one who. It's it's a giving of yourself to another person. It's the total expression of selflessness and love. And a lot of times people come together because of the needs in their life. And they need one another and that's why marriages turn into the biggest hurt and heartbreak of people's lives because the reason they did this is because I need you, even though I say I love you. I need what you give to me. I need what you have for me. I need what you make me feel like. I need who you make me to be. Christ Jesus is the only one that can fit that bill. And out of the strength and fullness of your life in Christ, you find that person to love. That's marriage. And I've done a whole lot of weddings, and I do serious spiritual counseling on that topic. And and I've struggled. It's this emotional thing for me. Because I've watched a lot of marriages that I... Because when I stand there and do a wedding, I'm very accountable. In the days when Jesus comes back, it'll be like, Noah. men will be eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. And every man will just be doing what they do. And Jesus is going to come and bring light to it all. And that scripture grabbed me one day. Doesn't mean I can't counsel on marriage. Doesn't mean I can't preach on these things. But I don't, I'm not compelled to stand here and actually say, I agree with this. It's the will of God. It's ordained. I I just, I'm not in that place right now. I don't even have faith for that because of a lot of the heartbreak, a lot of the marriages that I had done and sowed all that truth into, you can't even believe some of the horror stories. Like shortly after. Like found a boyfriend, don't think I love, we were too young, maybe we weren't ready. And I started hearing, it just, when you're serious and you're not just a weekend pastor, and you're not doing, because I wouldn't take a penny, I've never received a dime for doing a wedding or all the counseling, ever. I won't take that, I'm not in this for that, that's silly to me. And when you give your heart like that, and then you hear that they're not together, it, it sobers you, it startles you, it, it, it puts you to a place of tears and prayer. And, and So I'm not saying it's the right decision, but for a long time, like Jenny said, I've just said, well, you know what, for now I'm just not going to do weddings until I get a better revelation. Not that I'm believing the worst about people. Right now my life's in a place where I can't take the time, actually, that I would have to take to have the conscience to marry someone. Because I need a lot of time to be together with you. Like more time than you're together with one another. <laughs> I've learned guys whether you're young middle aged or older most people are getting married because of the need in their life not getting any younger Well, I want to have kids soon and all of a sudden all these motives attract you in a direction that works and love is a selfless giving of yourself to one another anger wrath malice it's easy in this christian culture to say i love you and turn around and despise and argue and fight and then find friends in the church to support your case because you shared all the issues and then have them take your side no wonder you're hurting if i was married to them i'd feel just like you that's the church conversations that goes on at the coffee tables they said what they did what well no wonder you're upset we got a long way to go in understanding love and we're going to take a couple weeks probably on that one and it's going to stretch you like a rubber band and i'm going to quit preaching till i hear pops all over the room it's a very serious thing she hit a she hit a chord with me she really did it's a very serious topic to me I've watched countless young people get into relationships, do the whole dating thing, compelled by the world and don't even realize that They're innocent and they're sure they're in love. How do, you, how do you touch that and minister to that? Only to watch them pass through relationships, hurt, make mistakes, touchy-feely, give up the honor of their intimacy, and now one day they're married. Man, that whole dating thing is twisted. It's is twisted. If you're in Christ and He's your life, And he gives you the desire of your heart. Man, he can lead your life in every area, can't he? You're not fishing in a fish pond and you're not test driving cars. You're living by the Spirit. You open something up with me, Jenny. (laughs) This is a serious topic to me. I've watched as a pastor too many young people live in regrets and make mistakes. The same ones over and over again. Can I make a strong and stark statement? I've done a lot of weddings and I've only married two, to my knowledge, that stayed pure and made it all about Jesus right up until the wedding day so that it could be all about him when they got married. Only two. Everybody else, when it came right down to it, confessed that they were already living as married sexually. They were kids growing up the whole time in the church, and Christian people dating christian dating services whatever that is that's another issue of mine christian dating is living by the spirit and giving your whole life to jesus and then he will lead your life in that area you're going fishing on a christian internet christian we tack christian to it i know a singles club in this county A singles club that was home-based in a church, I'm going to be rude and raw with it, It is a meat market. And there was so much fornication going on, it breaks my heart. Under a church sanction. because we think if it's Christian, hey, we're Christian. My wife asked me if I was a Christian. And I said, well, of course. Because I knew it kept me in and not out. You can say anything, guys. What you say, it's what you do that reveals who you are your words are very cheap until they're backed with your life you all okay (laughs) just blame it on the lady in the green (laughs) i'm kidding it's important stuff are you this is school this is what we do in school you'll get used to it if you're not already it's just stuff comes up and we nailed and that one grabbed me when she asked the question i went oh god not that it was wrong it's It's a big topic. I could take a whole class on it and we might end up. I'm just saying, you just reconsider what's motivating your life in every area, especially that dating thing. You know, we take our marriage traditions a lot from culture, a lot of Jewish culture. You'd be amazed how a lot of the stuff we do comes from Christian culture. So here you got a girl coming down an aisle with a veil, her face is covered. That means she's been living covered. Her daddy is standing at the end. And who gives this bride in marriage? I do. The daddy goes over and unveils his daughter. And he's giving her away. He's uncovering her in the sense of her face. She's not daddy's girl anymore. He's giving her to this man because he believes that this man is representing God to her and can... Love her like Christ loves the church So the daddy watch he rolls the veil back and exposes her face at the end of the ceremony This stuff isn't rhetorical. It has great meaning the pastor He's doing the and 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 I give myself to you. Yes I give in a vows and he says I pronounce you man and wife Well, they got joined by the spirit when they gave themselves in vows But when he officially pronounces a wife, he says this you may now Kiss her what's he implying? that she's been covered all that time and now now you have the right to touch your lips against hers in an intimate fashion and express emotion and feeling because you've just given yourself to her and you're hers and she's yours and you're one and we've turned it into heat and emotion and kissing in the drop of a hat and just kissed by 16 and first kiss and ooh and parents and prom did did you kiss him did he kiss you and we're sucked in to the soap opera of life we don't even understand the exchange of emotion when lips touch lips with feeling and desire and where that leads and what that does think about it who gives her because until that moment she's not yours She's his. (laughs) And on that day, in honor and respect and integrity, not behind the scenes, behind the parents' backs and behind doing everything else too. On that day, the honor of it all is amazing and God is right there when that's all honored. It's amazing. I was in two of those settings where you, you had to try to stand up because of God's presence. I, have, I know there's a video, I could probably track it down, where the best man and the next guy were backslidden. When Holy Spirit came at the vows, they fell over. And they weren't playing church, they were backslidden. And it shook them, bad. And they grabbed me at the end with tears and said, that was crazy, what's going on? Oh, God, God's, because the, I felt the Holy Spirit come over me like a wind, because these two stayed pure. And kept themselves. And when I told her God was excited to come to her wedding, she cried profusely. And she said, what? I said, well, think about it. And I shared the heart involved in Christ. And and then on that day, when the piano keys touched and they were ready to exchange vows, I felt a tangible, physical wind go. And I saw for a moment, I don't see that stuff a lot, but I saw Holy Spirit... I don't know how he does it, but he does it because he lives in all of us. He came over my shoulders and went two ways. He went this way and this way, and he overlapped this way and this way about four times and went like that. It was incredible. And I'm standing there going, and they're going, <laughs> and these two backslidden boys are like this, holding on to each other. And I'm standing there going, Jesus, you're really real and amazing, and I really love you, and you're really, wow. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I realize I'm not on a tangent. There's something to all this. I wonder if we're forfeiting it for the expression of emotion and temporal gratification and superficial fulfillment that'll keep robbing us in the long run. (sighs) okay (laughs) thank you for your question (laughs) for another day there's a whole lot more on that i promise and it gets pretty intense uh whose hand your hand was up. wait a minute stand up stand up and turn and look at everybody and just smile look at look at this look what i see every time i look at her look at that is she lit up or what
3: Well, I have a reason, and that's uh, why I wanted to make a comment. Um, you really you're talking do. about all the cheap gospel things, and my husband and I knew we were we were in a house church setting, and um, it disbanded just because God said the season's over. Um, so we were attending a church that the first time I walked in, I was like, No, I'm never going back. And he, my husband, was like, No, I really feel like God's calling us here. We're here to serve. So we did, and um, we were just real with who we were and and what God was doing in us, and being spirit led and just all that. And uh, there was an older couple who were in their 70s, and uh, they, the first, Steve would um, get up and do worship, and uh, it was just, there was tension there because he spoke from what the Spirit was giving him, and it was very much like, mm, don't say that, people aren't ready. And this older couple, um, his name's Tom, that's the man, and he got angry and used a derogatory term to describe my husband and, and what he was all about which didn't phase us. We were just, you know, kept pressing in. And um, the spirit just kept leading us into relationship with them. We had an opportunity to start pursuing them. Um, And we ended up building a really neat relationship with them. They invited us out to their cabin last year at this time. And then we found, I ended up with pneumonia and had black mold in my lungs. And just all kinds of stuff from our apartment. This is before we knew that healing was in the atonement, um, and we had to leave. We didn't have a place to live, and they invited us into their home. So we've been pursuing them since last July. And yesterday, on the way home, I was talking to my husband. He's we're sharing our mornings, and uh, he says, "I gotta go." Tom's here. Um, he calls me back when I'm like 15 minutes away. I'm from Carlisle, 45 minutes away. He's like, "Um, you're coming home," and he sounds like. So I'm like, yeah, I'm almost home, I'm coming as quick as I can. He's like, okay, um, I'm going to Tom's later to you know, build his gazebo, but just get home as, as soon as you can. I walk in, Tom's sitting on our couch, he says, Tom has something to tell you. And Tom says, yesterday um, I made a commitment and I gave my life to the Lord. And um, he wanted us to pray with him. So yesterday we had the privilege of just welcoming, welcoming him into the family. of God and and just really leading him in the truth. of The truth, that's right. Tom, are you surrendering your life to the Lord? You're not just praying a prayer, but you're surrendering your life to the Lord. So, praise the Lord.
0: And that's huge. That's so awesome. Did you hear the beginning? I catch stuff when people talk and I really listen. This isn't to demean her and exalt her husband, but in the initial thought of when she went, she thought, oh, I don't want to stay here.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: That's so normal because we tend to church shop and we try to find a place that suits us. And here's what her husband said, which was cool, because and I'm not putting her down, you just hear this in, in grace. Her husband said, no, I think this is where God's, so if we look past the feeling, the initial impact and the first impression of, yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah. if we say, Lord, is there anything to this? Do you want, you know what I mean? Because I totally understand what she said, that I've been in atmospheres where i felt, <laughs> don't think I need to come back here. <laughs> okay, Who's who can relate to that? But her hubby says, well, no, I thank God. I'm finding that more and more that the Lord has people in these settings all over because he wants them there. But if it was up to us, there's nothing that would keep us there except that we believe for some reason God said, no, I want you there. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But look what it turns into. Look at the, the lessons of humility, the expression of heart and truth and the change that it can bring and just look what it produces if we'll obey. And that's what I hear in that testimony. Because how easy would it have been to just say, yeah, you know, well. Isn't that what people do? Church shopping stuff. So, and God has brought them, you guys don't know their story, she shared her story with me a little bit and wrote a little email and then talked to me the other day. So the story's beautiful and, and, and how God has opened truth up to them as a couple and, and even individually like never before in the last, what, months? Since February and she's just lit up it's fun to look at her I check in every once in a while peek over there (laughs) say yep she's on (laughs) hey somebody left the light on (laughs) so watch this let's get back to this I answered I answered every question right there was two hands I thought Jenny's question was chock full of heart (sighs) it's a big deal it's a big deal don't sell yourself short and cheap so the word of the Lord endures forever. So therefore, verse chapter 2, verse 1. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you grow thereby. So we're called to grow. And so we haven't just come in to go to heaven. We're called to grow. There's something to understand and grow in. And indeed, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So there, if indeed you have tasted that he's gracious. Coming to him as a living stone. Ha rejected indeed by men people don't know the truth about you people can judge you be cynical mock and scoff what they don't understand when I got saved they said everything and anything about me at work you have no idea they would mock over the intercoms draw pictures on the board little cartoon pictures of me they would put newspaper clippings up and put my name with an arrow all the time and my heart just chuckled because I thought, they don't have a clue, poor presumptuous fellows, because <laughs> I was so okay. Now, if I wasn't okay, I'd look at that, and I'd really be, be bothered. Or they'd do something on the intercom and say some gesture, and I'd hear coworkers laughing and shouting. See, they're drawing strength from that because they're uneasy. There's a strength in that numbers. They, they, you know, And it, it, it all worked out, man. I enjoyed the whole ride. You have no idea. I I had people get saved after I left. I bumped into them, saved. And and the one guy said to me, he was on the march for Jesus. I said, Al, what are you doing out here? He said, I got born again. I said, yeah. He said, now I'm marching for Jesus. I'm like, what? And he said, yeah. And he got real serious. And he he said, when you were there at work, I so knew what you were saying was real and true. And it grabbed my heart every time. But he said, what kept me from coming to the Lord was I kept looking at the people. And I saw how they talked about you when you walked away. I saw how they mocked you and brutally persecuted behind the scenes. And I just wasn't ready for that at the time. I didn't want that to be me. And time went on and I thought, why am I letting them keep me from what I know is true? And he said, so I crossed the line, man. And I made that decision. Isn't that sweet? But you have no idea. Uh, You know, you're in a court. You're... You're in heresy. Even the Christians after a while, when I took, led communion in our little prayer group, that was the last day of our prayer group. I took communion, and they said, wait a minute, God, you know, He heals if He wants to. And I said, well, man, and I didn't have nobody teaching me. I was just Christian for a couple months. So I was just reading my Bible. And I said, yeah, but I had so many scriptures in my heart. So they just disbanded the Bible study. So now even the Christians said that I was out of balance and extreme And misunderstanding so now I had nobody in my workplace that was really and it was cool but one guy came up and he was being integral he said listen I know we've disagreed we're really concerned about what you believe and he said but I'll tell you what we do we're not mad at you we're not judging you Uh, we've decided we're going to continue to pray for you in in agreement as a group that God give you understanding and revelation and I said thank you thank you (laughs) pray it. thank you yeah. So now they were praying it from the motive of this guy's whacked and doesn't have a clue, give him wisdom and revelation. But the fact that they were praying for me to get wisdom and revelation was exciting to me. So I'm like, pray hey guys, that is so cool. Thanks for loving me. They were doing it because they were loving me, they were doing it because they believed I was a heretic. Really? But you know, quoting half scriptures and stuff, and that's what people will do. They don't really read their Bible. They just go on what they've heard growing up. And if you read your Bible, boy, you can really minister to those folks. Like the one guy came up to me and he respected his dad so much. So he always said what his dad said, but he didn't read his Bible himself. So he came up to me and we're talking and I said something. and He always felt like he had to correct me and contest me. Here I am, now imagine this, truly, sincerely. I'm not comparing me to him, but what I'm saying is me and my own heart have peace. I go to bed at night, sleep. I wake up, I'm excited to be alive. I'm in love with Jesus. I look in the mirror, and actually, I love who I am now. And I go to work, and he has a need to correct me all the time and find fault with me. And I'm like so okay in my heart. You see what I mean? I'm doing the best I've ever done. So then we're there going on, and I was talking about God revealing his kingdom and things. And he said, yeah, but Dan, you have to understand. There's things that eye hasn't seen nor ear has even heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. I said, yeah, I said, you're quoting that, but you didn't read the next verse. The next verse says, but God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. That's right. So they're not hidden in the mystery. He said, huh, what, hmm? what? Well, see, this is the scripture his dad uses all the time, all the time, quoting it. But in the New Testament, when Paul quotes that, he adds on then, New Testament language, but these things the Lord has revealed by His Spirit. And he talks about being unveiled and living by the Spirit. So I had a little pocket Bible, I opened it right up. I said, man, you're reading a half scripture, you're reading the limited side, you're reading it in the limited version. This is the new living version. This is new living version, you're reading the new limited version. This is is only half the truth. You got half a pie, buddy. I pulled him aside, I did, I talked to him like a brother. I said, listen, I'm concerned that you're just throwing out Scripture and you haven't even sought the Lord, you're not seeking the Lord, you're caught in theology, religion, doctrine, whatever it is, but it's nothing to do with love for God and love for people. It's need to be right, proud in your own mind, defending your dad's heritage. Throwing that Scripture out of context with me, told me a lot, sir. It's time to get alone, get humble, and get with God and find out truth. Because he's selling cheap when he does that. You see what I'm saying? I talked to him. We ended up developing actually a pretty good relationship. But... Uh, who knows you don't do that because you're mad at it? Yep. You do that because you realize the harm it does and how people get trapped. It's what makes us religious and undesirable to the world. It's what makes us haughty and proud in their sight. Yep, sure does. Okay. So we've tasted and we see that He is gracious. Coming to Him is a living stone. Ho, ho. So you're a living stone. But chosen you're rejected by men, but chosen by God. Look at this. This is you. And precious. You're precious. You say to somebody, Oh, you're so precious, you'd go, that's just the right thing to say. You're just supposed to tell me that's that I feel fuzzy today. (laughs) Well, take it up with God, because he's the one that just said you're precious precious like a precious stone it means you have great value the word precious it it doesn't just mean you're sweetie what it means is you have great value you're highly valued oh come on where does it say that in the word or just my sermon You're a living stone, so you're alive on the inside. God did that. That's his fault. That's his doing. He breathed life into you. What did he do? He had a vision for man, and he molded him in the dirt, and then he breathed into him, and he was a living being. Why? Because God wants man to live. Come on, it's simple. And when man ate the tree and died inside, he still wants man to live. So he put death on his own son so life could come back into his people. How cool is that? It's simple. Don't get rhetorical with that message and let it become an Easter story. It's the truth of your life. Anthony.
2: message
0: What verse do you got? I better just read it because they won't have it on the mic. Four? Oh, this is that phone I can... Phone. Samsung. <laughs> Message Bible. Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workmen took one look and threw it out, but God set it in the place of honor. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life. Come on. Oh, come on, we're coming. In which you'll serve as holy priests. Offering Christ-approved lives up to God. That's good. I like that. Isn't that good? Because that's what it's saying. That's not reading into, making it say more than. That's what it's saying. You're precious. You're holy. You're alive. Okay? Being built up into a what? Spiritual house. So I'm looking at the kingdom. This is the kingdom of God right here. Living in men. A holy priesthood. Offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's why I just read out of the message there. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief, uh, chief cornerstone. Elect, precious. He who believes on Him will by no means be put to shame. Now, we would never deny Him in the pressure of life if we really believed that one. <laughs> Okay, I'll just let that one settle. <laughs>
4: Therefore, to you
0: who believe. So now he's talking to you who believe. Because watch this. Even though you're precious to God and worth the blood, until you believe, you don't receive the benefit of that finished truth and work. It's like, it's like when I had Hannah over here and I, I bought the gift for her and she never put it on. She loved it, oh you shouldn't have. Wow, thank you, and then hung it on a rack and never put it on. No, put it on and look nice in it, right? Put it on and reflect the love and the heart and the, the giving and, do you see what I mean? That's what you gotta do, because you're still precious, you're still loved by God. It's still theologically true to say God loves you, but it's a, it's a big difference between saying God loves you and you being loved by God and receiving that love. That's the heart of the Father. Now watch. So to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So there's a rejection of this whole truth. Oh yeah, but people are still and man is still. Unbelief is a wretched thing. It just talks around the gospel constantly. Look, he's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense to people. Why? Because we're so identified through life, so identified through the way that seems right to a man, so identified through the way things have been psychologically, period. Just so identified through the wisdom of man that the gospel, people are indignant towards it or it's too foolish, it sounds too simple. It's like, whatever, man, you got to face reality, dude. You see what I mean? it's the mind of man it's risen up as God it's the way it's the fall of man you eat the tree you'll be God now your mind's God and now you value your opinion higher than truth and intellect rules society <sighs> so, yeah, it's just it's, that's bigger than we realize how we value our own opinion man, I want to value him. I want his word and his not even opinion. He doesn't have opinions. <laughs> you know, you come home from work and you had a rift at work and you say, how'd your day go, honey? Oh, my boss, he's such a jerk, but I'll tell you, I gave him a piece of my mind. So, okay. <laughs> you say, but that means something to us because we're finding value in that we're so desperate to find ourselves in stuff. Gave him a piece of my mind like it's some earth-trembling thing You're not going to find that even on Fox 43 News. Today, this man (laughs) gave a piece of his mind. I tell people, man, be careful with how much you give. (laughs) How much is there to give out? (laughs) The cameraman liked that one. (laughs) Serious, you keep giving people a piece of your mind. Maybe that's a good plan. They get it all done and go, and then you get a new one. Mind of Christ. It's just having fun with you. Look, they stumbled being disobedient to the word. So why'd they stumble? Because they didn't take to heart the word. That's what it caused you to stumble, guys. Come on, this thing is simple. It's right in front of us. To which they were also what? Appointed. So were they born just cut off? No. They were appointed to the word. They were appointed to live the word, but they became disobedient and unbelieving in their heart. In the wisdom of their own mind, they rejected the truth. It was there to make them free. Okay? Now look, they stumble being disobedient to the word which they were also appointed. But you, now he's talking to believers. So he's talking to you. But you, this is not a Sunday morning hype, hallelujah, amen, scripture. This is the truth of who you are. But you are a chosen generation. Isn't that amazing? A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're not trying to be holy. You're a holy nation. Yeah. His own special people. Yeah. If you'd ever get alone and pray this stuff out to God, you really start believing it. (laughs) You'll look in the mirror and see what God sees. And you'll understand why Jesus died for you. And then you'll stop living the ways that you've lived that make you wonder why he loves you. (laughs) because you'll live up to what you believe and if you sell yourself short in your identity you'll live short you won't bear fruit it's all about the tree remember it's all about the tree you make a tree good its fruits good the fruit's automatic when the tree's good if you see yourself as some other tree no wonder there's other fruit oh come on this thing is so simple (laughs) You are so a tree of righteousness through Christ Jesus. Believe it and rejoice and wear it. Amen? Now what? His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of. Where are you called out of? You're out of darkness. It's not even about darkness now. It's about what? His marvelous light. Yeah. I didn't even want to read that I just saw a rainbow in my scriptures and I just see I had a rainbow there with all my color code and I just stopped there and I read there because I knew it would be good <laughs> <laughs> and I knew we have a bunch of weeks left so I thought I could take a little time for that rainbow but <laughs> but this is what I turned you to first Peter 2 four. <laughs> okay forgive me stone the teacher man oh my goodness <laughs> I don't know where we're going. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Look, verse 23 of First Peter 2. When Jesus was reviled, he didn't what? And we're going to cover this real good when we talk about love, but I want you to see something. When he was reviled, he didn't what? Revile back. He didn't call a core group meeting with his disciples and tell them all the hurt and pain he felt. And he can't believe the people said that after he did so much good. And how do you expect me to feel? No wonder I'm hurting because all I've done is good and they don't appreciate me. And then his disciples would say, well, I don't know why you keep caring for them and hanging out with them. Why don't we just call down fire like we wanted to earlier? (laughs) Come on, am I telling the truth here? Especially, watch this. I'll tell you when that's really easy to do, when you really value somebody that's going through a hard time and you love that person going through a hard time and you appreciate that person, you tend to defend them and fight for them at the cost of flesh. Like, I can't believe you're touching Jenny. She loves God and she's precious. And why would you dare even talk bad about it? They said, what do you, honey? I can't believe it. Because then you strike a chord. And then you say, well, no wonder, honey, come here. And then you give Jenny the permission to be victimized and hurting and broken instead of rejoice and teach her the heart of God and impart the truth so that she can respond in Christ in the face of adversity but some of us are so busy already hurting that we hate it when there's more hurt so we just respond in a sympathetic empathetic way and actually give people in the church permission to be broken we cradle them and oh honey and we call it sensitivity to what? wrong believing sensitivity to human feelings no we should be in part in the heart of God saying listen I realize what they did was wrong and I know the temptation is to feel feel are you kidding me I cried all night I understand honey but listen I want to flip this I want to show you the heart of God in this and let's put Jesus in your shoes right now and then I'll paint a picture and all of a sudden they realize that God can't even think like they're thinking Feel like they're thinking and he's in me and called me and set me apart and sanctified me out of the world and into him and there's a whole different response that I'm ingraced and empowered to have if I want to I do that with people all the time because I, I give you no permission to be hurt and broken not even at all that's your worst day when you're there that's your weakest moment the most vulnerable moment of your life in fact the Bible says where there's strife or envy are self-seeking, there's every evil work present. So you can be so hurt and so broken and then get religious and spiritual and start rebuking and binding the thing that hurt you and broke you as if you're worse flesh and blood and seeing people as the devil incarnate and all that. And yet the very motive of your prayer is attracting the thing you're rebuking. Yep. <laughs> Paradox, isn't it? You hear me? And then you're frustrated after a while because you see, well, I've been praying and praying and rebuking and binding, and I don't know why God hasn't intervened. He just lets me keep breaking. Doesn't he know how hurting I am? The next thing you know, God's in trouble. <laughs> and then at some point, somebody has to be strong enough in your life to say, listen, this thing isn't all about you. You died, remember? how did you get alive again? Laughter. When did you raise up from the dead? I thought you died when you got saved. All I'm hearing is this is about you, and doesn't anybody care? Doesn't anybody know what I'm going through and how I'm feeling, and i I thought we buried you.
2: <laughs>
0: I said it's baptism thing, man. I got a vision the other day. I think it was God. I'm thinking we should make a baptism look like a big ceramic toilet. <laughs> Serious. Huge toilet and get you in there and dunk you and bring you out quick and then have a handle that goes (laughs) Because that's a contact point of faith. See, you old man, sin. And then nobody like Don said, getting in the water, you know, after somebody else just got cleansed, then you get in all their old sins and then you're the 30th person getting baptized, man. That's changed the filter day for sure. But if you had a big potty like a big series, like a six by six potty, man. With a big metal lever. And you got him in there and said, listen, we're going to flush your past into oblivion, baby. Sea of forgetfulness. There is a spiritual pipe coming out of here that's going into a sea called forgetfulness. So get in here and die. And then when we when go put you down, we're going to hit the handle, but we'll get you out before you. <laughs> About.
2: Oh,
0: I'm saved. <laughs> well, that would be a reality, a contact point of faith. One that you can read. I would get rebaptized if they'd build one of them. <laughs> just to <a> capture the moment. <laughs> I, what, am I a mess or what? This is not, we're not doing good today. <laughs> I just got a thought of that the other day when Don said about getting in after somebody else in the water. And I thought, ew. <laughs> One of the first baptisms I did in somebody's pool, they opened their home up. We went over after we did all these people. It was a holy, awesome time. And I went over to their filter. And I put my ear up there and I went, oh my goodness. I'm hearing in the spirit, you better change this soon. Because I said, all their past lives were in there, all their sins, everything. I said, you need to change this filter. <laughs> and they were all made brand new. Isn't that the gospel? So he wasn't reviling in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. Look what he did. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. So, if you're so busy defending yourself, don't you get religious on Sunday and say he's your rock in defense. No, you are. (laughs) See, here's how he defends you, in righteousness and in true perspective. You don't have to defend yourself. If you defend yourself, you give people the right to be your judge. You empower them to judge you when you defend and plead your own case and bear witness of yourself. That's why we don't bear witness of ourselves. Because then men sit in the seat of the judge. We actually empower men to sit in the seat of the judge to prove whether you are or not. You, you, that's why Jesus didn't even speak at times. That's why when he was before Pilate, he didn't even open his mouth. He knew what they were intended to do. He, they would have just took his truth and it would have even further empowered them to be a judge. Right? Right? So once he answered and then he just quit. Remember Pharisees, they were puzzled, they were troubled. They said, you don't have nothing to say. You don't hear all these accusations against you and you stand and say nothing and they marveled. Because in society when people have accusation against you, you have to what? Defend yourself, vindicate yourself. Nope, he simply committed what? Himself to him who judges righteously. So do you, do you see the beauty of a clear conscience and a pure heart? When you know the truth, do you get it? Good deal. Can you repeat that again? Defending yourself. When you defend yourself, you empower people and give them the right to be your judge. You actually compel people to make a judgment and an assessment on your defense. When it's just about you, just insecurity, defending yourself, well that ain't true, why do you say that about me? No, I, and all of a sudden you start validating your heart, validating your life, measuring yourself up based on your works. See what I mean? It's insecurity. You get what I'm saying here? Come on. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. He committed himself to him who judged righteously. This is a whole other day when we talk on love. I promise you this will come in. But this is what I want you to see in verse 24. But instead of doing what flesh does, instead of doing what natural human reasoning does, Jesus is love, he's manifesting the heart of God. He's showing us the way to follow this whole time. So see, if Jesus lived this way, if you look at verse 21, for to this you were called, for to what? It's called. He's talking about suffering for doing good. <laughs> Everybody wants to know their calling and they want it to be so spiritual. Well, here's a good spiritual calling for you. How about learning to suffer for doing good so that your heart's seen as sincere and loving instead of self-serving? Because when you're troubled, when you're, seen for doing, when, when you're seeing uh, suffering for doing good and you don't take it patiently, then you have self-interest and self-motivation in your doing good. And then people don't see and appreciate your doing, and you're not receiving from your doing, and then you throw a fit. Because they're calling your, evil, your good evil. See, if your good is good, your good is good. It doesn't matter what people say.
2: That's right,
0: if, if I meet Susan and I bless Susan and, and I pour my life behind the scenes and in substance into Susan and it's the God thing and she's blessed and she's received the fruit of that and people start saying things about it and read into it and interpret motivation and, and, and come up with stuff like people do. It's called presumption, projection. What does it matter what people say when my good is good? You just have to know that your good is good. Because if you have some other motive and your good is called evil, you'll defend and you'll get shaken and you'll get a cat in the corner. Why? Because there's some other motive in your doing than good. Are you following me? Come on, there was nobody ever more pure than, than Jesus. And nothing ever more unjust than what happened to him. It was the most unjust thing that ever happened to any human being ever. And his good stayed good. So so it says, to this you were called. What's your calling? (laughs) To suffer for doing good. Why? Because you didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. You're following Jesus. You're a little Christ-like one. Christ's spirit's in you. You're the body, embodiment of Christ. Right? So you suffer for doing good. You don't throw a fit, an attitude, defense. Find a support group that understands how wrong it was. You don't need your due. <laughs> you need to die. <laughs> and you can live, and that's your due. But watch this. He, why is this our calling? Because Christ also suffered this way for us, leaving us an example that we should follow him. Come on. So this thing's all about becoming love, isn't it? I, I realize it's break time, Sue. I see you back here. Thanks, man. Watch this. Verse 24. Who himself. Who did it? Himself bore our sin this is a good place to take break because you're going to see we're going to pick up right here at this truth who himself bore whose sins so he became sin so we could become righteous he who knew no sin bore our sin so he bore our sin so did god curse his son on the cross or curse sin on the cross sin. Sin is what was killing us. So when He hung Him on a tree, He was made to be sin. So He put sin on a tree by putting His Son up there as the Lamb, the scapegoat, before the foundation of the world slain. He was made to be sin. And anything hanging on a tree has been cursed by God. So God cursed sin in the flesh. And sin has no dominion now over us. Huh. Come on! He crushed and conquered the power of sin. The law of the spirit of life that comes through Christ has made me free. Come on. Free is free. Unchained, unbound, unsentenced. Free. Made me free from the law of sin death. Sin's lost its voice. Death's lost its sting. Oh, yay. He bore our sin. Whose sin? So where's your sin? In his body on a tree. Right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it died. You're, you're absolutely right. She said, actually, it's in the grave now. It's, he died, and we die with him in the likeness of his death, dying to sin once for all. That's Romans 6 where we're heading. That we having died to sins. Now look, this is, the Bible expects you to see this and do this. And we're still talking about sin, fighting sin, trying not to sin, biting our lip to not sin because we don't see ourselves as righteous sons. The identity of righteousness will set you so free from the habitual acts of sin. And I'm going to say it with the camera running. The people that say you sin while you're breathing because you have a wicked, evil heart are wrong. That's deception. And I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm just saying stop believing that. Because if you don't make a tree good, your fruit will never be good. And if you think you're nothing but sin waiting to happen, that's exactly what you'll produce. But I can prove to you and will prove to you yet today that this Bible teaches you are free in regards to sin. Watch. He bore our sin in his own body on a tree that we having died to... Sins. That's a heart of repentance. I wish I wouldn't know. Why did I? Oh, if I knew now, would I knew that? I wouldn't know. Oh, he, uh, God. And all of a sudden, God knows our dilemma. We can't change it. Regrets to produce death, but godly sorrow leads to change. I would do different if I had the chance. And God says, wow, I'll wipe that away. Make you brand new. Yeah. So go, here you have the chance. <laughs> now watch. So we haven't died to what? So we die, we're supposed to die to sins. That means it's identity, it's consciousness, it's remembrance, it's acts, it's power. And then what do we do? That The reason we die to sin is that we might live what? For righteousness. That means to be found right with God and produce its fruit. Yep. Oh, this is right here in your Bible. By whose stripes we are what? Healed. Healed, look, all of us, look, all of us were like sheep going astray, but now, We've returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Is that good news or what? Go take a break. Go take a break. I need a break.
2: No, I don't.
0: I am so wired right now. It's ridiculous. Ah, I'm bright orange. The fire of God. Awesome job. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad she sang that song because you guys, she said, yep, she said, does anybody know what today is? I thought there was going to be one spiritual person that said, the, that, the day that the Lord has made," <laughs> But nobody said that. They just said flag day. So you answered right, actually. Go to Hebrews 10 with me, will you? Let's nail this thing down. So you, did you see that he bore our sin in his body on a tree? Yes. So we what? Yes. Die to sin and live to be right with God. How cool is that? You see, watch this. I'm not being critical to my upbringing or any church. Nobody ever taught me that my whole life. Yeah. I'm just telling you, nobody ever taught me that my whole life. I was very sin conscious. Went to church and knew what I was to do and wasn't to. It was an ought to, should, need to mentality. And by age 20, I just quit going to church and had plenty of excuses and was frustrated. Now, that was an excuse. That wasn't the right thing to do. But I didn't know the good news that I know now. I didn't have that goodness to lead my heart to change. I was just in a war with sin and didn't realize he already won the battle or that war. I was battling sin. He already won. See, I didn't understand that. So it's important that this is made known and clear. Because we seek his kingdom and all of his righteousness. Right? It says in Romans 5.17, if you receive the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. For that abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you'll reign in life as a king. Pretty important to open the package and say thank you and see who you really are through Christ. Hebrews 10 is huge and amazing. How we're going to get through this and get to Romans 6, I don't know. I just know that we're heading to Romans 6 somewhere through the course of time. (laughs) Even if it's the next school, (coughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm kidding. We're heading there because I, I want to nail this thing down. So please just bear with me on some of these topics. I, I promise you the last school, it felt that way in the beginning, but it, to my, in my mind as a teacher, I thought, Lord, I'm going to lose them after a while on this love thing because I, if you guys remember that we're in the school, the last class, I stayed on the topic of love and becoming love and the importance of love and what love is for probably two straight weeks. And it didn't get redundant and people weren't bored. In fact, there was a lot of tears and a lot of good stuff going on. A lot of, oh, uh," it was just, it was fun. So, because the way that seems right to man is more sneaky than you think. For the law, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these sacrifices same sacrifices now of course he's coming out of, of, of preaching you know obviously Hebrews 9 I'm not going to back up though I'm just going to you know what the priest did the, the sacrifices going in taking the, the blood the bulls the calves whatever we're going to get into that a little bit here I don't have to go into a whole lot of detail but you guys are aware of that right there was a covenant uh, priests went in there uh, and, and, and they sacrificed all the time now look at this It was a shadow. These things pointed. Everything about the Old Testament, this is important to know. The whole focal point of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Okay? From the beginning to the end. To to the beginning where he's prophesied in Genesis 3. To Revelations, the last book, where it's the revelation of Christ. It's not the story of end times. It's the revelation of Christ. The book is the revelation of Christ. So you have Jesus prophesied. You've got the whole Old Testament, which the focal point is pointing to Christ. It's a life under the law apart from Christ's redemption and salvation. It's man in the flesh. The whole Old Testament is pointing to Christ and our need for a Savior. It's life apart from redemption. It's life under the law. It's life bound by the flesh. Think about it. The Gospels is now that he's born... And He's here in the flesh. The epistles or now that He's died and raised again and their letters to the church once we're in Christ. And the final book is the revelation of Christ when it's all wrapped up. So the whole focal point of the Bible is pointing to Christ. If you have Old Testament theology and and definition that doesn't point to Christ, reevaluate. Because everything's pointing to Him. From Abraham and Isaac and from all... all, There is Christ in so much. And and Boaz and Ruth and and all these stories. There is Christ in... uh, You can find Him everywhere. It's pointing to Him. Pointing to the One who's to come. So it's really important. I encourage people not to read a lot of the Old Testament initially. I encourage people to get a real revelation of the finished work of Christ in the New Testament. And then go back and read the Old and it's really fun. Because you'll see what it's pointing to. What it's saying. you understand... I mean, you look at the children of Israel and, 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 and everything they had available in God and, and what they were missing. And the Bible even says that they had the gospel. That's amazing. They had the gospel and, and didn't uh, uh, mix it with faith. So it didn't profit them. In other words, they knew God was with them. God with them. The cloud and the fire and provision and their clothes growing on them. Manna on the ground every morning. Provision, sustenance. Never going to bed in fear that you're not going to make it in your environment because God's faithful. They had everything and didn't mix that with faith. Took it personal, complained, found with stuff. Loathe the worthless bread instead of, wow, you're amazing, God, in the middle of nowhere. They were too busy. Well, I thought you said it was a, milk, a land of milk and honey. This don't look like milk and honey to me and this stuff I'm tired of. See, That's why you don't preach a gospel that serves men. Because men don't get dissatisfied. You preach a gospel that transforms men. If you preach a gospel that serves men, somebody's going to have the right to be disappointed because it's not measuring up to what you promised. Come on, that's just an excellent word. That's why we don't give promises and it's just not about going to heaven and provision and prosperity. And hey, come to Jesus, he'll get your job back. Uh. (laughs) you know I want your wife to come home I want your husband to come home but that isn't why you come to Jesus you come to Jesus to understand his heart in the midst of them leaving understand Jesus' heart so you can get a good grip of your spouse and a good grip of your own life and identity so you're not trashed and identified by the fact that they abandoned you now you're just a rejected person for the rest of your life Now you have another relationship because you're hurting, but you can't trust them because the other person broke your heart. And now you're insecure and you're cleaving and coveting because you think they're going to leave you high and dry. And all of a sudden you're driven by the acts of men. Come on, I'm just talking plain. But that's what happened. See, they they, they didn't understand this is all about manifesting God. They're the children of Israel, the people of God. They were ordained and anointed to go into nations and people fear because of their God. Because they saw God in them and with them. They turned it into a complaining session and said, Hey, this was milk and honey. This was supposed to be a promised land. Why are we still hanging out here in these rocks and cliffs and barren desert and sand? They're complaining. To the point where they loathed God's provision. You know how good God is? That was an alternative way, the wilderness. He could have took them by the way of the Philistines, if you read in the beginning of Exodus, and he chose not. He said, because they'd have surely lost heart at the sight of war. So instead of taking them through the land of Philistines and letting them engage war, they knew they weren't ready for that. He said, let me just build some faith lessons in them. Let me take them through the wilderness so they have the honor of trusting me and believing my goodness in the midst of what doesn't look good. So God actually took them the better way. He could have took them the way of the Philistines. And he said, I'm going to take them this way because this way will surely dishearten them because of war. How about if I just take them through elements, through weather, through elements and war, and they can just put their trust in me. But they didn't. They didn't mix this whole thing with faith. Come on, guys. They got a cloud in the middle of the desert where they would fry without an awning. And they got a cloud hovering over their head, blocking the sun. At night when it got freezing cold and they didn't have the right stuff to keep their babies alive and warm. And then a fire would just hover over top of them. I mean, you'd think that alone. we look back and think that alone would be enough to have us just... <laughs> Whatever you say God. <laughs> Come on. Pharaoh's coming to destroy them. They're up against the sea and a wall of fire protects them like a barrier. Till Moses understands the staff and the leadership thing and you split the sea and all that works out. And he finally does that and the sea splits. They go in and at some point the fire dissipates and Pharaoh right into the sea like them and they get through and he's still in there. and sh- That one thing alone you would think. But see, the nature of man, the fall of man, self-serving. So that's, It's a wretched thing, man, if you don't keep your eyes on him. All of a sudden, you forget how good God has been. You forget how good God is. You think about that. It says in 2 Corinthians that all these things were written about them. Not so we could criticize and judge, but all these things were written for our admonition and so that we don't make the same mistakes they made. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 says all these things were written. It says they all had the same cloud, the same fire The same water from the rock But in many God wasn't pleased In other words, it doesn't mean God was disappointed And angry and mad in the sense that we think In that sense, when you look in New Covenant Language like, soul has no pleasure In him who draws back, why? Because he can't fulfill his pleasure in your destiny He can't have his way In your life It doesn't mean he's disdaining you and going Oh you knucklehead, why don't you just step forward And quit backing up no, we're used to treating each other that way, so we picture God that way. No, God's saying, would you please don't back up. Oh, I can't fulfill why I created you. I can't bring you to fruition. I can't. It says he has no pleasure in that. Why? He can't fulfill and satisfy his heart desire and his created value for you when you draw back. Yeah, right. Come on, it's intimate. He's a father. Yeah. And don't, please don't say, well, I have a hard time seeing God that way because my dad didn't treat me that way. He was me well, that was your dad, and I'm sorry. Serious. Because my dad was the same way. It's not now, but he was an alcoholic and said I'd never be nothing and demean me all the time and take his own life frustrations out on his son. He just didn't know any better. Poor fellow at the time. What does it have to do with me? That's just a hurting man taking his frustrations out, trying to reproduce them. It's a spiritual strategy. So what good would it be for me right now to say... Well, you know, my dad never told me I loved me. I have a hard time believing God loves me. Why am I comparing God who sent his son and died on a cross to my dad who was an alcoholic and had nothing to give? Why do we make the two relate? You say, well, I have a hard time seeing God that way because people were so mean to me. Why are you comparing God to people and people to God? God's so good. He sent his son. While you were yet a sinner, he said, I love you. So thank God that he's not like the people you were around all your life. Because that was a strategy set against you to get your heart so deceived, so hard, so hurt, that when good news came, you couldn't even embrace the good because of all the bad. Why do we give the devil so much power and make so much sense out of that and just live out of that intellect? Come on, from the time you were little, there's a strategy against you to crush your value, crush your identity, and crush your image of God, and crush your image of self, so that when the good news came, there's nothing good about it. It's too late now. It's, why me? Well, why would I even want God? Well, if God was so good, why and how come? Well, he can never love me because I this and this. All those different views come then when the gospel comes because we're regulating our life based on life. Are you following me? Probably worse than that, we as the body of Christ accommodate all those mindsets and try to go through all those avenues instead of expose them as lies and wrong identity. We're almost afraid to stand up and say, what does that matter that we all have a story? Why are we so sensitive to each other's story? Why do we make our story so elevated? Why do we make his story the story of the day? Amen. Why isn't that the truth about me? Why are we trying to accommodate each other's story? Well, but brother, you don't know. But when I grew up, that's how people introduce themselves. Well, I've been saved and God's really doing a work in me. But you have to understand that I had this kind of childhood and this kind of, and when I was upbringing and my uncle Sue and uh, Joe and my, my aunt Sue, da, 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 and they, that's their story. That's like in their legacy or something. No! Yeah. The truth about you is I once was lost but now I'm found there was a time I was blind and now I see there was a time things ate my lunch and I thought it was me and took it personal but now I've took something personal I'm worth the blood of the son of God and I'm alive forevermore <laughs> I'm so wrecked I'm so wrecked <laughs> Come on it's the truth So what does it matter That I have this story. Come on, I could sit here and go over my story and probably make somebody go, oh, and accomplish what? Except to give me more permission to be in the flesh instead of live by the Spirit. Who cares if the daddy never said, I loved you, now that God has shouted from heaven. Who cares if I was touched wrong? If he's touched me so right. There we go, you what? What?
2: What? What?
0: See, we're so into each other's story. And we sympathize and we accommodate. What does any of that have to do with who I am now that Christ has come? Because I found myself in him. And that man you're talking about is supposed to be flushed down that potty of baptism. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Do you know the other trap we do? And I'm not being insensitive. I'm being real. The other thing we do is we so elevate our story that we actually think our story's worse than the people sitting around us. And that's a justification for flesh. Because you'd be amazed the stories in this room if they were worth going over. But they're not. The glory of God is letting those things die. Faith is letting those things die and finding the real you through His story. So why do we compare our stories and write books on what God has brought me through and in some weird way there's an elevation of all we've been through. It's like we need people to know what we've come through. And that's what keeps giving those things power over your soul. Now I need to elevate what he's been through so I can reap the benefits of his accomplishment, not keep reliving what I've been through. I've had countless people come up to me and tell me things, and while they're telling me things, they get in the ugly. They squeeze it in, in a spiritual tone. They wrap it around a spiritual language, and what they're trying to do is let you know what's happened to them. <clears throat> You'd be amazed how I address that because I love people. You would be amazed. (laughs) Because I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, poor thing. Or, oh, I can't believe, wow, you're still, man, you're still. And then get in my car and talk to my friend about what I perceived in you. I love you way more than that. I won't even tell my friend if I didn't talk to you and if I didn't talk to you or even if I did it's probably not important to tell your friend, huh? You follow me? Okay. Let's move on. For the law having a shadow of good things to come not the very image of the things. It can never can never the law the law the law can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect or complete if they could have wouldn't they have ceased to be offered? it's a question in your Bible come on if you have a Bible look at it right now this is big this is important come on he's reasoning in God with you if the law was sufficient and accomplished what was necessary, why'd they keep sacrificing those poor animals? Right? Okay, so year by year. So there's this annual atonement thing. The priest would dress up. You guys know the history. He'd have a rope tied to him and bells. And if the bells stopped ringing, they knew he'd miss something along the way and just dropped dead the priest was probably a little nervous on that day and didn't with boldness come into the throne of mercy and grace (laughs) because the blood of Jesus wasn't shed he's going in there and he's trembling the fear of fear of fear of God and he's going in there under the law with sin consciousness on behalf of the people and he's trying to do everything perfect as a man to atone for the people to just get sin just cover them to kind of get them covered for another year Right? right? Knowing that a year later they're going to have to do it all over again because all year they're expecting to what? Break the law in sin. We've inherited that mindset. It's drifted over into the New Covenant, New Testament church, and we talk that way and we elevate and honor sin as if it's the order of the day. A lot of us deep in our heart has grown up believing we're just sin waiting to happen. That's how we teach. I hear those comments from the pulpit all the time. The Bible doesn't teach that. And I promise you, it's, it's the power of what you believe determines what you produce. It's that tree thing. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. Identity is huge. If you see yourself for truth, you'll bear witness of truth. You get what I'm saying? Now watch. Watch this. This is huge. So he's asking a question. Hey, if the way they were doing it was sufficient and the worshipers were... were, were uh, were made complete, wouldn't they have ceased then to be offered? For the worshipers, look at this, once purified. Martha said she read a translation that said purified once. Oh, I like that. Flip the two words. Purified once or once purified. What's the difference, right? One, it just nails it down. Watch. For the worshipers, once purified or purified once would have no more would have no more consciousness. So if the way they were doing it was the right, sufficient, God-filled, Spirit-filled way, it would have accomplished a perfection, a purity, and no more consciousness of sin. Now you'll see as we read that he's actually, it's a contrast thing. He's, he's revealing the way it was through the law, and now the way it is through Christ, and he's taken away the first so he can establish the second. So if the first only accomplished this, it wasn't the right way then, watch. But in those sacrifices, there is actually, in those sacrifices, a reminder of what? Sin Sin every year. So if you find yourself missing the mark in your life and you care enough to repent, if you care enough and your heart's alive enough to have a conscience that goes, oh, that, (coughs) duh. Or like, why did I, man, that is so not God. I know better. Who's ever done something like that? I know better. Yeah. The only reason you have conviction is because truth's in you now, light's in you, and you care now. So you're alive inside. So it's not the end of the world, and it's not time. Rick and I were having a talk, it was a good talk. It's not time to go, Oh God, please forgive me, forgive me, God, God, would you please forgive me? Oh, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get this. Come on, that's a zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's already forgiven you through the blood. In fact, the Bible says there's forgiveness for the whole world. It's just repentance. Repent, change the way you think. So when your heart goes, oh, that's already awesome. He just wants you to confess your sin, right? You just get stay out of denial. Stay sharp in your understanding. Keep the light increasing. You go, here's watch what you do. You go, oh God, that was so not rightly motivated. That, I, man I'm in my car here and I know what I just said to her that was so judgmental and I actually felt pride in my heart and I felt like I was mad at her and when I said it I sounded spiritual but my heart was wrong okay who knows that you have the ability now to have that kind of conscience yes. Yes. how do you handle that is it the end of the world do you backslide do you drag three days in, in unrighteousness no. do you go out and sin now since you're a sinner go out and do more sin because hey what's the use I've already blown it What? Well, come on no, you go, God, and, and if it's time to go back and, and confess and make it right here, of course that's a good thing. And listen, man, hey, remember, you know, I was just there and I know what I said to you. I realized when I got in the car, my heart was, they might not even know that was your heart. They might have just heard your counsel. But you're, you're being real. I got in the car and realized that I left what you said really offend me and I had a need to be right in your life. Well, no, what you told me helped me. That really, I understand because it was truth. But it came from the wrong place. And I just hold my own card accountable and letting you know that I'm sorry because I spoke to you from a motive that wasn't the heart of God. And I got so convicted. And I just want you to know you're precious. I love you. And even though that was right counsel, I want you to know I'm not mad at you. And you can take that word and you can prosper and become a See what I mean? Keeps you a steward, accountable, humble, right? But here's what you do in the process. Father, thank you for the light in my life and the truth that's showing me the motive of my heart. There was a time I used to think that way and have every right to because she shouldn't have said that or she shouldn't have done that. That has nothing to do with your heart. You've never seen me that way. And Lord, thank you for growing me and maturing me. Thank you for washing me and cleansing me of unrighteousness and even the power of the flesh. Thank you that I can be a man of the Spirit. God, I worship you. Never once, please forgive me. Why? That's not necessary. I'm already in a place of repentance and chains. When you start saying, please forgive me, you have the ability then to wonder if you're forgiven or to not feel forgiven. Come on, you're... Why, you were yet a sinner, he sent the son. As soon as I said in the workplace 15, 16 years ago, I will live for you, boom, his spirit came into me. I actually felt it come into me and peace came all over me and I knew God was real and I went ballistic. You see? There was no talk, no discourse, no, well, yeah, but you got No, I already saw my heart, saw sin, saw my life for what it was, and thought, disgusting. I don't want that. God, here I am. (laughs) How sweet is that? So all of a sudden now, look, if that's the way I came in, isn't that the way I ought to keep living? The way I received Him, continue in Him, rooted and established in faith. We covered that, Colossians 2, right? So all of a sudden, if I find myself in a... See, this is where a lot of us, we, we get into a... We we dwell on something and all of a sudden we actually do it. And then we go, oh my God, what did I just do? And this condemnation crawls all over us. Well, you knew better. Well, you shouldn't have did it. Well, you were working that in your heart for two weeks. Well, now you did it. See, you don't even love God. You are all about the flesh. The way your mind is trained to operate and accept. And yet your heart is devastated and violated. And you realize what a trap it was. And what a dumb thing it was in the natural. And not that you're dumb. See, because you're not a dummy. Don't say, oh, you dummy. No, what you did was a dumb thing. That, see how we say, because we do a dumb thing, guess what we are? A dummy. Well, as soon as you're a dummy or worse than that, guess what you'll keep producing? The fruit of a dummy. That's the snare right there. See, you're not a dummy, you just did a dumb thing. You're a son, you're a daughter, your heart cares. So all of a sudden you see it and you realize it, you go, God, there's a weakness I, I left in my life. I was dwelling in that for two weeks and I started feeling sorry for myself. And I gave myself permission to do what I thought was unthinkable. And somehow it became acceptable. God, I'm facing this and I'm realizing I was feeling sorry for myself. I was taking account of suffer wrongs. I was taking life personal. And I got snared and I got caught in an act of selfishness and tried to soothe myself and all I did was hurt my heart. God, this didn't answer anything. Only you can answer the heart cry of my life. God, I repent of self-will and selfishness and I just rebuke deception and I say, God, thank you for teaching me, maturing me and loving me. That While I was yet a sinner, you say, I have no permission to sin, God. I have no permission to live loose. I have no permission to take for granted your grace. I honor you and I'm kneeling before you, giving myself to you, surrendering And asking you to consume me with your love. Boy, that sure beats dragging around in identity crisis and condemnation and self-torment. Doesn't it? Because isn't that the heart that's in you when you find yourself in a place like that? Most of the time, that's the heart that's in people. Ah, But if you don't understand this, you'll get discouraged with yourself. You'll get ho-hum. You'll just whatever the situation. And you'll find yourself over and over again and you'll dull your heart and dull your senses. And you'll just say, well, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is, well, you know, God, gets guess God still loves me. He knows. And we talk, I hear people talk like that. Uh, Rick, is it a long, oh, Sue's right there with the
4: mic. I don't believe it's a coincidence, being that this is Flag Day, and what you're sharing, <laughs> during the days of the kings, a flag was called a standard, and only a king would do. In the beginning of the battleground, he would let put his standard in the ground. And what he was declaring was, this, at the end of this day, we're gonna win. And to go along with that, I was talking to Daddy one time, and I was, he was having me do the Lord's Prayer. And I was going to the part where it said, Give me this day our daily bread. And the Holy Spirit stopped me, and He said this, Give me the day. It's my daily bread. Back in the Old Testament <laughs> times, it was all about, Lord, would you give us the day. When I faced the enemy, and I messed up, and I get a realization of a son, I live the reality of give me the day it is my daily bread see no matter how it may look i'm gonna win and that's the mentality that the believer really needs to have is give me the day Hmm. it's my daily bread
0: amen it's a bigger view it's a bigger vision of where it's not just even just petty self Minuscule details acts actions you have a bigger picture You don't lose sight of the big picture of your life through through one thing That's what you can glean from what Rick say and there's a bigger view actually the Bible says that we're to go through Go through and prepare a way for the people raise up a standard. That's the same thing to, to, to raise up a standard or hold up a banner means to raise up a standard for the people There's a higher place we live from now. We're not under the law We're under grace. Does that mean we continue to sin? Well, of course not. How can we, who died to sin, live in it any longer? See, you die to the identity of sin. The biggest trap in the body of Christ is weighing ourselves as sinners because of our capacity or ability to commit sin. That's the biggest deception, in my opinion, in the body of Christ, is selling the finished work of Christ and grace short. Because of our ability to sin, we think we have to be humble and say, yeah, but we're sinners. And then we pull that scripture out of context and say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves in a liar. So we force ourselves into a sin identity as if we can never be free from sin. It's a false identity. You're exactly right. It's a false identity. It's a trap. It's a lie. Okay. Now watch this. If they cease ceased to offer, the worshippers once purified would have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sin every year for it's impossible. Some translations say it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could ever take away sin. So there's a covering of sin, never took it away. There was a remainder of sin consciousness. Watch this. Therefore, because this was the dilemma man was trapped in, that's what it's saying. Because this is the present day scenario, therefore... When he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. He's the lamb before the foundation of the world. In burnout, Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and put Jesus in her womb. He didn't have relations with her. She's still a virgin, guys. He planted, he put her in, him in her. Oh it's so powerful He's in a seed the lamb God in a seed he is so amazing he's talking about humbling he says he humbled himself and came in the likeness of flesh God the son humbled himself what was Shane was saying to me he, he oh it was a good revelation he get him up here and share it he could share it even better because his eyes lit up when he shared it he said, I, I used to think about the ways he humbled himself. How he humbled himself by washing the disciples' feet? Is that the humility of the Son of God that he washed their feet? No. That he came and, 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 and became limited and, and put himself into flesh and put himself into a body of flesh, etc., and took on limitations to take the limitations off of us so that we could once again become sons. He bound himself even to death and even to the cross and... Yep. So that he could take the restrictions off of us. That's the scripture. He says that you'll do the things I do in greater things. And you'll go in my name in all authority. And heaven earth has been given to me. Now go in my name. Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the devil. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. Do you hear how unlimited that is? What fascinated me when I first got saved and started reading the Bible in my bedroom, I started reading all these promises and stuff and I started thinking, they're really unlimited. Nobody's teaching me this in an unlimited way. And then when you start stepping out to believe in an unlimited way, people try to calm you down. Put a bridle on you and pull you, whoa, whoa, boy, whoa, 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 whoa. See, and then we don't understand the love of God so we get hurt by that and hardened by that. And then our heart gets falsely motivated. And then we're fighting a war that we're not even called to. Right. It's just against men and belief systems. And then we find out that in time, we haven't even grown in the things of the spirit. We're just fighting religion and pointing it out. And, oh, yeah, they're so dry. And we've gotten dry along the way because we've taken yeah. their right. yeah. to heart. Yeah. You follow me? Yeah. It's trap stuff. Yeah. <laughs> See? See, you can whoa all you want, I can still run and believe. You can whoa. You, you know what I mean? I can still believe, I can still run, I can still manifest the kingdom. Remember, you can criticize good, it's still good. Yeah, that's
5: right. Adam. I was talking to somebody one time, talking about um, being dead to sin. And regardless if you feel like it or not, you can wrestle a dead body if you want to, but you're dead to it because Scripture says that you are. And they they brought up the Our Father prayer and it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the second part of that just sounds so good. like It's almost like, yeah, you can catch us forgiving us our sins anytime because that's what we're doing. We're just forgiving the sins of those who sin against us. And they said that the first part, though, is um, that we're asking God to forgive our sins after I just got done saying that we are forgiven. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they, they brought up that point, then then why would we have to search and find what's wrong with us every day? You know, so we can confess that. And it just, even the way, I like I almost, I mean, I'm not trying to train scripture or anything, oh, yeah. but it, it seems like it should say, as your sins are forgiven. For,
0: you know what I mean? Well, here's what you've got to understand. And I just brought that up to Rick out there. I said, well, the reason people say that you need to ask forgiveness because of the Lord's Prayer. says, forgive us our sins. That's the, the, the scripture people use. The, but the Bible in the New Testament... See, you have to understand that when Jesus came, even in Matthew in the Beatitudes, Jesus is saying, uh, when you stand praying, forgive, least you're not forgiven. But now that he shed his blood and we're under grace, see, there's, there's still... He's here and there's grace flow and there's mercy because he's here. He's in a body. He didn't shed his blood. It's not New Covenant. Everybody healed was still unsaved. It wasn't the new the New Testament and New Covenant didn't start until he died. He has to die. So so under the law, under the law, I forgive to be forgiven. Under grace, I forgive because I'm forgiven. It's total transition. I can prove it scripturally because Jesus himself in Matthew under the law under the law said forgive least your what? Not forgiven, but look in Colossians chapter three. Verse thirteen, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also forgive. So here's a person struggling with a complaint, but they're forgiven. And the writer's saying, look, since you're forgiven, forgive. So walk in the strength and beauty of forgiveness. Receive the forgiveness and become what you've received. Receive the mercy and become what you've received. Receive the love and become what you've received. You don't love him first, he first loved you. We're not under the mandate to forgive so that we find forgiveness. We have found it. Now that we see the heart of God, we so love it and honor and respect it. Why wouldn't I want that heart towards you? The Bible says if anything's less, it's an evil and wicked servant that's once forgiven but doesn't want to become forgiveness. Come well, on, the Bible's so clear.
2: <laughs>
0: you have to understand that that, 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 that that was Jesus. He's preaching that, and we take that as woe. But we have to see the transition of language once grace comes on the scenes. You get it? I'm going to be merciful to obtain mercy in Matthew. Now I'm merciful because I've obtained mercy. Are you following me? I need to ask forgiveness because it was just a sheer... Man, you had—they had to. Do you understand that they had to, to take things? They were in the market. There, they turned the house of the Lord into a marketplace. Do you understand there was people there with selling things so that they could go through procedures and r- rituals? They, they splitting the doves and doing all the stuff for different sins, atonements, things. There was there was procedures, yep. right? Mm-hmm. That's constantly from the position of debt. So when you're in the position of debt, there's a constant need for forgiveness. Because you're in debt. And if you're in debt, Romans 4 says that you're going to try by works to pay off that debt. So if it's works, then you're trying to pay off a debt. (laughs) But it's grace. (laughs) Are you guys following me on this? So am I daily, watch this, am I daily asking the Lord to forgive me of sins? I'm not even thinking sin. I'm thanking Him that I'm a son. I'm living by the Spirit. And I thank You that You're keeping me on track and I have more of a confidence in Your ability to keep me and father me than me to mess up. And Father, I thank You that if in anything I am less than Your nature, motivated by less than Your love, I would see it because of Your light in me and all things that are exposed are darkness and it's quickly removed. Thanks for molding me, shaping me, and making me the man of God I am. My heart is with You. I'm running this race. And the best I understand, I am serious and I am in. Now, you know if you're not. Nobody has to tell you you're not. You know if you are or aren't sincere and sold out. You live with you. Do <laughs> you get it? But for me to constantly say, Lord, show me what I missed today, show me what I did, that is such a lowering of righteous consciousness and right standing with God. That's actually troubleshooting saying that you always have hidden issues. When are you ever free? When do you ever have confidence to approach Him boldly? That's why when you go in a bedroom to pray, you take twenty minutes to get past yourself before you can even get to Him. Isn't it amazing? When I first got saved, nobody was telling me what I couldn't have. So I'm just saved a few days, opening my bedroom door, closing it like a little kid saying, "I'm here," and His presence is all over me. I didn't have to go through protocol. I have a high priest who's unchangeable, who lives forever, who already went through all that to present me holy and blameless and above reproach. When am I not when I don't live by faith? Now, is that an excuse for a twisted heart? No, that's a call to integrity and honor. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by His word and faith works through love. So if I can't receive His love, I'm not going to do well with faith, am I? So what gives me the confidence to open a bedroom door and close and say, here I am, Lord. Because I actually believe he's excited I'm there. I actually believe he wants to meet with me. I share a vision, I had it, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but I walk, I saw you Brian, I'll get you. I, I walked into a bedroom, my own bedroom, it was, I was doing this for a while, opening my bedroom, closing, and I'm here in His presence, and, and do you ever have an open vision where you saw things with your eyes open? I've only ever had a few, but they're, they're fun. You just don't chase after them, they come along the way, you know? And if you never had one, don't think you're unspiritual. The other one I had was because I was way over my head. Two babies were dying right now. They were unhooking and respirator. And the mom was freaking out. And I'm on the phone. And I'm ready to do the God thing and pray for the babies. And my whole kitchen turned into a sky. And a big hand, muscle-bound hand that an artist couldn't even draw, came down and scooped the babies. And I was bawling uncontrollably. And I said, honey, your babies aren't going to die. They're in the hand of God. They unhooked the respirator and the little baby that had no lungs laid there and breathed and never died. Yeah. You, you, no. Now, if my theology wasn't what it was, when that hand did that, I'd have said, take heart, honey, your, hand, your children are with the Lord. They're in His hand. They're with the Lord. See, I can't see that. I, I could never interpret that dream or that vision like that. When his hand came down and scooped the little figurines in the bottom of my floor, and they were in the center of the hand, cupped like that, if my theology wasn't what it was, I would think God took them. They're with the Lord, honey. Take, have peace. They're with. You know what I said, honey? Need to stop crying and be at peace. Your kids ain't dying they're in the hand of the Lord. Your kids are gonna live. I just said it right out of my mouth. And she said, well, I do feel peace. And I yelled at her. I was so undone by the vision that I started yelling at her. I said, peace. You wanna feel peace. Don't you understand? I'm freaking out yelling. And my wife came in the kitchen cause I'm freaking out and she's wondering what's going on. I was messed up. I didn't handle it real well. I was overwhelmed. You would be too. I, I said, peace. This is a mother who's losing her babies. Peace don't you understand no she didn't have the vision i did your kids are in the hand of almighty god i'm screaming i'm bawling and i said you know what i said to her i said i'm done talking about this it's finished now you call me in the morning just give me the good report goodbye i hung up on a mother it's the truth there was a neat story to that because that lady came to a healing service, an atheist, not believing in God, and her sister drugged her because she was seeing miracles and said, you just need to check this out for yourself. And when she came, a deaf lady got her hearing opened up and the girl was trying to leave in shock because her atheism background was confronted. And when she was going out the door, I stopped her. I said, excuse me, hon. Yes, you, sweetheart. I don't mean to embarrass you. I'm sorry. But it's not good that you leave. There's something driving you out of here. What's going on? You're, you're, you don't need to leave right now. Please come in. And she just came up the middle aisle like this. And I said, honey, what's going on? She said, I came here believing there's not a God. I said, when those ears popped open, you went, oops. She said, yeah, I just need to go think through. I said, no, honey, you want to know him if he's real? She said, yeah, I said, give me your hand. She gave me her hand. I said, thank you, Father. And she, she just cried. I don't know how God does that. He just does that stuff. It wasn't theology at that point. It was just, I love you. He just came on and then the Lord showed me that her heart was breaking as a woman that she couldn't conceive. So I said that, brought that up. Now she's really, because now, that's the heart cry. Yeah. And, and it's hurting her marriage. Young lady, why bother even being with my husband? I can't even have fruit through it. I can't even get pregnant. A lot of stuff happens like that. Emotions, women, why bother? You know, Because every time she comes together with her husband, it's a constant reminder that she can't have kids instead of just enjoying her husband intimacy and just expressing love and feeling it's just at heart for one another it's, it's become more just think of that and then the young husband my wife doesn't even want to come together now because we can't have kids so now he doesn't even think I'm worth even living with and all that crazy stuff that comes out of all that think with me it was a true story how she did this too I'm not trying to be funny with it I took her hands I said well listen God showed me that when a pray he's going to open your world So we prayed in six weeks. She was found to have twins in her. But when I prayed with her, she now believes God's real because He came on her and she's flush. And I said, and then I got this word of knowledge. So when we prayed, she who knows she's on page now? And she's got this. And I said... The womb opened, you know, that you could see the seed. Well, first I said, are, you are married, right? And she said, yes. And I, she showed me a ring. I said, good, okay. <laughs> so, just making sure I wasn't praying for her to go, go hop on some, with some man, you know.
2: <laughs> ah, let's
0: have kids now. <laughs> well, Watch what she did. I left over her hand, and, and I looked at her, and she's, this girl's just staring at me. And she said, thank you. I said, amen. She's backing up, and I said, do we need to pray for your husband? she said because I realized there was hardship there she didn't have desire he had desire she couldn't get pregnant what's the use why bother and there was creating animosity and now she's got this fire in her eyes because she can get pregnant and I said do you need do we need to preach she said he'll be just fine and she backed up and took off out the church and I guarantee you she ran and pounced him and he's probably thinking I don't know if there's a God, but praise the Lord. <laughs> Serious, because he's like, what? God, I don't know what they're teaching you in that church, but go back, girl. Go some more. <laughs> because you know how people are thinking he's probably feeling sorry for himself you know, young marriage can never be the same our intimate life is shot now his wife comes running home from church pounces him I
2: don't
0: know what that message was but praise that preacher for whatever he preached (laughs) six weeks but at six months pregnant the babies came one pound nine, one pound ten ounces oops it's real but it ain't God my thought to her was did God give you the grace to conceive? yes then he can protect these children and keep them that's pray when we went to pray that's when I got the vision so the vision was awesome I walked into my bedroom this is how I got on that story I walked in my bedroom one day It it just happened for a flash but it was fun I don't live for this stuff but when it happens it's so fun I opened my bedroom, went to close my door, and I went like that, and my whole <laughs> bedroom, I can't even tell you it looked like heaven, but I'm thinking it must. It was a throne. There was glory on the throne. I could see the image of one sitting on the throne. Couldn't see his facial features. I told you yesterday, he probably looked a lot like me. Since <laughs> I'm just having fun with that but I went and there was a myriads it was uncountable angelic as far as you could see around the throne and my ceiling was infinite it was just picture that as far as you could see and this, this glory, so I walked into my bedroom. I had the door closed. I'm going in there like, a, like to meet with the Lord. Theologically, he's in me, he's with me. He never leaves me or forsakes me, but it was a meeting place. It was a intimate, when you ain't looking, you know, yay time, right? So I, I went, Lord, I just, Lord, I just go into your presence with all your holy angels, God, and the presence of God. I'm like, and I heard the Lord in a loud go, shh. Because they were all worshiping Him. Holy, holy is the Lord. They were glorifying. It was all the revelation stuff. It was loud in there around the throne of worship. And I heard the Lord go, shh, this big, loud hush. And everything got pin drop silent. And I heard this majestic voice say, My son has come to talk with me. And I crumbled right there. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) I had a pretty good time in the bedroom. But he was, now who knows he doesn't stop heaven and get everything quiet. He was making a point to me that when I seek him, I find him, he hears me when I pray. That he can can maul I task and not miss a beat. In other words, all this is going on, but I know you, boy. And I love you and I am so glad you came to talk with me. So he gave me the impression that he hushes everything to have audience with me. See, i got to tell you a little bit of those things so you know what's wrong with me. I slip that stuff in there. Because all that pertains to God reality. So I'm not trying to believe in God, am I? Oh, it makes it so fun when you cross that line and you're no longer just trying to believe in God. Look, God is. Whoa, what do you do with that now? He just is. Anyone that comes to Him must believe that He is yay you had your hand up brian i didn't forget you buddy oh okay. um, no that's cool i appreciate that
6: uh, and, and this I, I don't know how people are going to take this um i was just talking to adam about it and we've had conversations in the past where where i felt like god never wanted the law in the first place um the law um they, they were let out of the they were let out of bondage to hear His voice. They were given the same opportunity to come up on the mountain to know Him in the same way Moses was. and They right. hardened their hearts.
0: That's so good. Um,
6: in the same way that now we're let out of bondage through Christ, we're also given the same opportunity to know Him and there are going to be people that will choose not to, right? simply based on the fact that, and you were saying earlier, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, which leads to a taste and see gospel, but Satan's all about seeing and tasting. Right. Um, because I've always struggled with the idea why would he need me to, to offer a sacrifice when it says in Acts 17 that, that he's the one who made the whole world and all things in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor right. is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Because we can preach this thing in a way that he needs something from me when he's complete in all things. right? Um, and that he never, in the same way that David said in Psalm 51, in these things you did not delight. Right. The, you know and, and it was all about relationship we we, we settled for second best we wanted right. a king
0: let me make a comment on what you said so that everybody's on page because he knows exactly what he's saying and it's crystal clear and some of you are catching it the law came at a specific time is what he's saying that when he took him into the wilderness the promised land the law didn't come to a point in time because of certain things that God's intention wasn't to do that in the forefront or it would have been already established that man and his actions and his disobedience willfulness brought himself to a place where God set this up to show him his dryness his need for a savior and tutor him to Christ but that God's intention was that they come to the holy mountain did you catch what he's saying that the law didn't even come till man so bore fruit in a certain way that's what he's saying and then and, and the rest of it is just very clear and very powerful and then you look at that whole season of time there till Christ was born that was man living under the limitation and restriction of human flesh willfulness obstinance and was reduced to just religious practice without the life-giving spirit Do you understand bound by the law and it tutored us to Christ this is very powerful concept. It shows the heart of God. God calling His kids back into the wilderness. Right? Remember how He says, oh, like a mother hen brooding over chicks. I have longed for you. Jesus is crying, representing the heart of the Father. He's crying. I have longed to brood over you and to hold you like a hen of chicks. But you are not
2: Oh my goodness, that's,
0: y'all watch that stuff, man. I watch some videos where they act that out, and I'm like, oh, I get messed up. No, I was
6: just going to say, on top of that, I, asked, okay. no, okay. I was going to say, on top of that, um, when we were talking last time about, in Colossians, it says, although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, right. so many people are relating as though he's the one who's hostile in mind and he's not right you know and and we can look at the law that way that 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 it was it was i feel like god said to me said everything i've ever done was for your benefit there was something man needed to see even in the sacrifice um because i Do you you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: and it's the strength of his love. What Brian said, it's it's the strength of his love. Like a lot of people have the impression God's killing all these people, slaying people. It's the law of sin and death. It's man reaping what he's sown. God's intention all along is the redemption through his son. God's plan from Genesis 3 is, I'm going to send one to crush the head of the one that you just followed. And and, and all he's going to do is bruise his heel. I'm coming. I'm sending a savior. So that's God's intention all along. And, and man's been reaping what he's sown, obstinate. Even Moses, that's a beautiful picture of Moses in the wilderness when God says, you know, uh, you know what, I'll just. And it's kind of cool. It's like, you know, if you don't understand, you look and think, well, God's just you know mad that day he's having a bad day man pushed him to the limit no he was allowing Moses to express his own heart as a leader I think it was pointing to Christ pointing to us being Christ-like because he said to Moses step aside I'm going to vanquish these people wipe them off the earth and just make a great nation out of you he said God if you take them then take me because I'm one with these people You can't take uh, What would' I mean a great nation out of me? No, if you take them Just take me, etc, cetera, etc cetera. And God's heart is reflected out of Moses That Moses actually had obtained And became God's heart Towards those people I just love that. Because you know how many people would be like, God would say, listen, man, these people you're running with, look, I'm just going to move them out of the way and I'm going to make an incredible, world-renowned ministry out of your life and your gifting and your calling. I'm going to raise you up and everybody's going to know I'm in you. I'm going to make you rock, man. And we'd be like, yahoo! (laughs) Rejoice and be excited. Hey, I'm going to cut these people down and raise you up. Hey, cut whoever down, but just make sure you raise me up. Moses is like, what, whoa, wait, this isn't your heart, this is what, I haven't seen this from the beginning. And it says that God said, okay, I'm not going to do this, etc., etc. It's Abraham and Isaac up the mountain in the land in Moriah, right, where he told you, it's present day Jerusalem. It's the same mountain Jesus was crucified on. It had to be. But here's Isaac, an only son, going up the mountain with wood on his back for sacrifice. And thousands of years later, you got Jesus going up the mountain with wood on his back, the only son. You have God asking Abraham to sacrifice his only son and Abraham not withholding anything from God. All that is mine is yours. yours He said, now I know that you'll withhold nothing from me. And he said, don't kill your son. He stopped the knife. But in the Golgotha, he didn't stop the spear. He didn't stop the sacrifice. He gave his only son. But he set this thing of covenant man and God together as one. It's so amazing. The ability of God to put his heart in people he's pointing that all along the way here's abraham he could have coveted that boy are you kidding me you promised him and i waited how many years since the promise and now i have him and you're telling me to crucify him are you crazy that's the voice of the devil i bind you and rebuke you right now if you hear about crucifying or sacrificing your children today the lamb's already slain so it is the devil so rebuke it yeah. But there was an amazing picture there, an amazing story. But it was Abraham completely trusting. And it says later in Hebrews, it explains that even Abraham decided in his heart that since he was the son of promise and God gave him, even if he sacrificed him, God would raise him from the dead. Didn't even think so. Let's go. You get it? We didn't even scratch this stuff. We are not doing well. I got w- one more hand up here. Let's do a quick question. I, t- I looked at my watch. I almost fell over. I was like, it is not almost 12. I was like, no way. Oh, I'm, there. Okay. I'm preaching that good, buddy. You didn't even know it was 12. Or have you been sleeping? I didn't know. Because you know how you sleep and you say, is it that time already? Mm-hmm.
1: Now I know why they call you Dan Moeller. You've got these massive
0: molars and you masticate the word of God. <laughs> I don't, I'm just telling you, I'm not getting very far.
1: I know, but I, let me just say one thing. Okay. This word you started off with in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, 1, and you touched on it too. It says that the law having a shadow of good things to come can never make the comers there into perfect. That word perfect and perfection has always been a stumbling block for me. It's like been something that's been so unobtainable. The word, you know, that he can make those that
0: come ob- to it per- perfect based on the flesh
1: but but then like i got blown away i mean this revelation is a great breakthrough for me it says that the law can it says uh that the sacrifices could never make them that did the service perfect i'm thinking as pertaining to the conscience so perfection as defined by Hebrews nine and ten, and tell me, tell me if you agree with this: perfection is a clear conscience. It's so not. Clear. Is that
0: absolutely? And we're going to get, we're going to get to ah! that. Yeah, ah! absolutely. <laughs> oh, she's getting it. Look, we're having a manifestation manifest over here uh, of revelation. Ah! That's well. That's what I tell people. What's it mean when truth makes you free? What's that look like? <gasps> ah! See, you just saw it. That, that's truth making you free. That's your heart going, I get it. Yes. And that's where transformation comes from, <laughs> amen? But that was sweet. But I haven't, I haven't even scratched this. Oh, I guess we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, uh, yes.
2: I've always got I'm about the word perfection.
0: Comment, Anthony has a comment on this word perfection.
4: That, that's really good, but also mature.
0: Mature, the other connotation is completion. Complete, you're made complete. You're made perfect. Perfect in conscience in approaching God is what Hebrews 9 and 10 is leading you to. The answer of a clear conscience towards God being sprinkled clean from an evil conscience entered into a no condemnation, no guilt, no shame consciousness before God because of His finished work and His great love for you which brings the best out in you. Do you get it? So it's not about trying not to sin. It's receiving sonship and restoration of sonship and restoration of identity and purpose and and the reason for even being. And it's all revealed through Christ, period. Or you'll sell short and you'll sell cheap. Or the angel didn't know what he was saying when he said good tidings of great joy. It's good news. I think we've almost been deceived into thinking it can't be that exciting and that good. It's good tidings of. So when you see the good tidings, you go, yeah, yeah. And you say, yes, but brother, you don't understand. I'm not that kind of personality. I'm a quiet person. No, that's who you always thought you were and were. But you could be alone in a bedroom and the light come on, and you might be a little louder than you've ever been, a little more excited in heart. And your mind might even say, calm down. You're not this personality type. And your spirit's going, yeah. I'm serious, we have so stereotyped our lives, we have so weighed the person before Christ and we've done all these things in our life to say who we are. Well, I'm this personality type and I'm this type so and so. People talk like that and I think they're in tongues because I don't, I've never even looked at that, don't even want to know. People say to me, well, you're, you're personality type. So I said, no, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. Don't limit me, regulate me. Because when you stereotype your life with a type this, type that person, you limit the expression of truth in your life and you regulate your life to whatever that means. Freedom. Oh, and you're, yeah, you're a little bit more free than that. Amen. A lot of it more. Okay, we got like two, three minutes. Why don't we stand up and just honor him, okay? I like, Do you okay with standing up? I like to stand up and honor him. Just honor that he's king. Come on, if we were in a court and a judge was walking in right now, they'd say, "All, please rise, and we'd all rise. And if we didn't rise, we'd get in trouble probably. I don't know. But we want to rise because he's a just and righteous judge. Are you like manifesting great joy? Good tidings. (laughs) You guys are scaring me now. you actually, you guys, this school, this thing is working. You're starting to believe this stuff. This is getting scary. Come on. Jesus. Come on, lift your hands and just thank him. You're free. Thank him. He loves you. Thank you that He's putting a care and a desire in your heart second to none like never before. He's causing your eyes to see, your ears to hear. This is life to me. It's not redundant. It's not same old, same old, here we go again. This is life to me. And thank you that it's true. It's who you are. It's who I am in you. And thanks for the victory. I honor you and worship you, King Jesus. You're amazing. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. Bless you guys. Love you guys. Thank you. We'll see you again sometime.
2: <laughs> yeah.